I think yeah, I she think, learned she handled that really I think they're madly in love and that's the kind of love I want. Well Pete they're probably not gonna but and, uh, and Ariana Grande. Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I'm your host, and this is my podcast. And today's episode is dedicated to reading all of your emails. Uh, earlier this week on Instagram, I posted that I wanted to hear from you guys, and I wanted to answer and read any and all emails you wanted to send me, and I got a ton, and I'm going to try to get through them all in this episode. Uh, but first off, I just want to address what we just heard. Those were the sounds of the city from a few days ago, earlier in the week. Uh, I went to my friend Charles Rogers and uh, Sarah Violet Bliss's going away party. They are Love Alexi podcast alumni. They've both been on the show separately, and they are both the creators of the best television show on uh, on TV right now called Search Party, one of my favorite shows ever. Um, how's the sound quality on this thing? How are we doing? How are we doing? Um, you guys, all right, before I get to the emails, what happened during your week? How are you doing? How are you feeling? As usual, I'm always feeling lots of feelings. Um, I have been doing a ton of big sister sessions, and I don't know if you know what this is. Uh, for those of you just tuning in for the first time, I will have you know that first off, if you're tuning into the Love Alexi podcast for the first time, this is unlike most episodes. Usually I have a guest. It's usually more of a, of a you know, your standard podcast format. It's, it's an unproduced podcast. It's not super produced. Uh, I don't have a bunch of ads and I don't have a bunch of like uh, song snippets and wh- what have you. And anyway, it's not super polished, but usually it's the intro, a, a, a guest, and uh, there you go. All right. Similar to uh, Mark Maron's WTF or a uh, Joe Rogan podcast, except you got me, Alexi Celine Wasser, talking to guests about you know life and feelings and what have you. Um, and today it's different because it's going to be just me yapping for however long I yap for. So just letting you know that. Um, but yeah, so I went to Sarah Violet Bliss and, uh, Charles Rogers going away party cause they're going, they're leaving Los Angeles to go to New York to shoot the, the latest season of search party. And, uh, you know, I had two drinks, only two drinks, two vodka grapefruits. And I ended up in a lift with a bunch of girlfriends and we were drunkenly discussing uh, how we feel about Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson's relationship. And uh, I, I, that was me. That was me saying, that's the kind of love I want. Maybe I even found it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. But that, that's the dream. That is the dream. How they're just so madly in love. I was in love like that when I was like 21 years old. And my God, that feels great. Is that codependent love? Because fuck that. If it is, who cares? It sounds great. It's wonderful. It's consuming. They seem very happy. They're living together. They're engaged. They're young. They're obsessed with one another. They're successful. It's just, it's fantastic. Um, anyway, I'm in my own relationship. I am in my own relationship. How dare you? Um, speaking of that, I introduced my boyfriend and maybe we should start a drinking game right now where every time I say boyfriend or a podcast, you guys take a sip of some kind of alcoholic beverage or you know, whatever it is you want to take a sip of. Um, but I'll, I'll make this story short and sweet. Introduced my boyfriend of five and a half months, my 6'4 British hunk of a boyfriend that I weirdly met on Tinder, my first and last date ever on Tinder. Um, yeah, so I, I had been putting it off, like, because my mom lives in Silver Lake. You know, I live in, I live in Los Angeles. My mom lives in LA. I'm, I'm, I'm driving through Silver Lake all the time. You know, and so is my boyfriend. And sometimes we're together and he's like, oh, do you want to go visit your mom? Or, you know, he, he was very open to like, you know, 
meeting her because I'd be like, oh, there's her street. She lives up there. Yeah, my mom. I'm always hanging out with my mom. Um, but, you know, I put off the meeting because it just stressed me out. The idea of it just like made me go like, you know what? I really care about this guy. Um, I've introduced other people to my my mother and I don't come from like some kind of Nancy Myers perfect family situation. Like my parents aren't together. They're never married. My mom's like 25 years younger than my dad. She's got tattoos and is a musician. And it's like, I just come from like, you know, I never use the word funky, but you know, my mom's funky. <laughs> God. And you know, my dad's whatever. And I'm very similar to both of them in my own way. But anyway, I just have all this stress and anxiety. I mean, you, you guys, you must be able to relate whatever kind of background uh, you come from. But I was like, oh boy, just the anxiety, the triggering feelings of like introducing another person to my mom. Those things have not worked out. Some Like the stress uh, of like worrying about the impression my mom makes, wondering if she'll like my boyfriend. I don't know. But anyway, it was her birthday on Saturday. Uh, oh, no, Monday, the 20th of August. She's a Leo. Thank you for asking. And um, I'm an Aquarius. Uh, Leo and Aquarians are polar opposites, but that's neither here nor there. So I was like, you know what? Perfect. Five and a half months with this guy. He's lovely. He's super calm. He's the most calm, uncomplicated man I've ever dated, um, which is a, it's a good thing, right? That's a it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, and, uh, and I'm like, uh, Oh God. Okay. I just want to let you know that like, I know you're super calm and you're, you're totally, uh, you know, not phased and you're, to- you're fine, but, uh, and you're not stressed, but just, I want to tell you and please listen to me and hear me when I say I'm stressed. And that is a personal thing for me. I feel stressed to have you meet my mom. So let me just let you know that. Okay. That is how I'm feeling. Thank you. So I told him, and he's like, there's nothing to worry about, blah, 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 yakety schmackety. Anyway, so we get dinner. My mom's at a dance class because she wanted to go to a dance class for her birthday with all the people she loves. But I was like, you know what? I've got to be authentically me. And uh, I just, I was going to go to the dance class, but I was like, I don't want to, okay? I was like, can I just show up to the party you're having at your house after the dance class and bring like roses and wine and cake? And she was like, sure. And I was like, great. So... I did that and she met my boyfriend and everything was lovely until all of a sudden my mom's husband, who I have a lot of tension with, um, I have for ages, for years, we're just very different and uh, I just always feel like he doesn't like me and maybe vice versa. He thinks I don't like him and whatever. He like, for whatever reason, there's like this like uncomfortable feeling Um And he decided that this was the perfect opportunity, the first time I'm introducing my new boyfriend of five and a half months to my mother. And he knows that I've been stressed out about all of this. And that in general, even if I wasn't stressed out, it's, there's a time and a place for dealing with like family or whatever you want to call it, kind of like uh, weirdness. So he decides to bring it up in front of my, uh, in front of my boyfriend. You know, he was stony. Maybe he was tipsy. I was a bit tipsy. And, and he decided to just bring up like, oh my God, it was just so uncomfortable and so unnecessary. 
and I think I handled myself nicely and uh, I was like very logical. I pretended I was podcasting and trying to land information and make sense and connect the dots and be like, all right, really, this is happening right now. And my boyfriend, again, take a sip of whatever you're drinking, uh, unless you're driving, don't drink and drive. Anyway, he was like, he had, he was holding my hand. He had his hand on my leg and was like rubbing my leg. And I looked at him and I was like, is this, did I do something? Is this me? are you okay by the way? Like, is everything cool? Are you, are you I'm sorry you have to experience this because it was so uncomfortable. It was so not the time and place to deal with this shit. Like not only was it my mom's birthday, but then like I'm introducing this new person in my life. Ah. And he was like, Oh no, I'm on your side. I don't really know what's going on, but like I'm completely on your side. And like, yeah. And he was just so calm. And then it just made me go, you know what? Wow. Well, it made me feel a little bit lonely because like in the days that that have passed since I've had this altercation with my mom's husband and my mom was lovely and gentle all the way through, but she was just so like smiling the whole time and like didn't like take part in what was happening, which was kind of weird. I was like, did you dissociate? Like what is going on here? Are you there? Are you in there? Are you a pod person now? Like what is happening? Um, that counts too. take a sip because I just said pod person and it's like close to the word podcast anyway. But uh, in the days that have followed, I've been like, wow, I feel kind of lonely because I'm only in my new relationship. And I usually really love the support of my mother and like feeling cozy that like I have her arms to fall into and I can like stay at her and her husband's house if I need to or if I'm feeling like emotional about whatever. And I'm, you know, I can be a very emotional girl. So it makes me feel kind of sad because I just feel like I need to take a break from her for a bit. And, you know, I already don't talk to my dad and that's for the best because he's toxic. And so I've learned my lesson to stop trying to go back to have a relationship with him because I even learned this from listening to an episode of some podcast with Gary Shandling that like sometimes the most toxic people in your life that you need to cut out and get away from are your, are your biological, like, you know, family. Just because you're blood related doesn't mean they're like, you know, people that you can, can feel safe with, people who are emotionally abusive, physically abusive, what have you, they could very well be the closest people to you and members of your immediate family. So, you know, you got to stay away from people who are toxic. So I learned that finally with my dad, not that I wouldn't go to rush to his aid the minute like he needed me because he's at the hospital because he's like 80 something years old. Of course I would race, you know, I would run, not walk to go help him because, you know, that's what you do. But as far as day to day, anyway, and so now you know, I'm just disappointed and like grossed out and annoyed by what happened on my mom's birthday the other day. And just like the ill timing, just like, it's just like another reminder that like, it's so irritating when family or like family like people or people that are in, in and around your family are liabilities. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's such an irritating thing when you're like, Oh, I can't rely on you to know when and where to say a certain thing or not to say a certain thing. And like it, I, that's what I've always when I look, something I notice in a, in a person I'm dating and that I look for is, can you bring them anywhere? And like, they know how to be in situations. Cause I'm like that. If you bring me to a party and you're dating me or a work thing or a family thing, like I can, I'm, I'm myself, but I can morph and change and like be the version of myself you need me to be. If we're going to fucking like some like nightclub or we're going like to a wedding or we're going to go to like, we're at a bar or something like, like, you know, when and where to like, unfold the aspect of yourself that works in that situation where it's like, you're going to be tawdry and you're going to be making out in a corner and you're drinking and if you're having a blast, great. Do that in that situation that, you know, that, that works. You're meeting a family. You're like, you know, 
a little bit, you're a little more uh, buttoned up. Anyway, so it was just disappointing to be like, okay, here we go. Um, I've been reminded that uh, that my worst fears, and I didn't even have this fear because I didn't even know this could have happened. And I don't want to tell, I don't want anybody to tell me you manifested this. Your anxiety manifested this. No, it didn't. Okay. And I love Abraham Hicks and I love manifestation. I love Lacey Phillips. I love blah, blah, blah. But no, I was a little bit anxious because I put importance on introducing a man who's important to me that I, that I, uh, you know, have warm feelings for. I was anxious about having him meet my mom and vice versa. But never did I think that there would be like some kind of weird argument blow up of like me, my mom, her husband and my boyfriend like sitting down together and like having some kind of weird, oh, so uncomfortable, you guys. Anyway, so yeah, the point is like, yeah, I was just reminded like, oh, cool. You're a liability, dude. Like I can't trust you or have faith in you to like know to read a room or to like know there's a time and a place. You're just like out of control and you're just going to be like, whoa, this is how I'm feeling right now. Meanwhile, I'm talking about my feelings publicly on a podcast, which is my prerogative. How dare you? Anyway, um, so that happened and uh, it's been a wild week, a wild week of birthdays and going away parties. Oh, how do you guys feel about the Asia Argento situation where she's like uh, at the forefront of the Me Too movement, the actress Asia Argento? Her boyfriend is the late, great uh, Anthony Bourdain who committed suicide, which fucking ripped my heart in half and was horrible and made me so sad. But uh, now she's in the news. I know you already all know this, but like I'm just, you know, have some talking points that I wanted to mention. She's in the news for for apparently being a hypocrite because she had sex with a 17-year-old who she was, when she was 20 years older than him and he played her son in a movie she wrote and directed and starred in and... So now people are like, she's a hypocrite because it's like, and this, this like fucks with the whole me too thing and like get discredits it or whatever. It's like, here's how I feel. I mean, I'm not going to say anything that's like crazy, but I'm not shocked that she engaged in this kind of behavior with a, with a young man. I'm not shocked by it because, uh, you know, I don't think it's right or great. And I'm sorry. He's, I hope he's okay. This kid, Jimmy, whatever his name is, the actor, and I'm sorry, Asia Argento went through what she went through. And that was a very complicated situation uh, with Harvey Weinstein and whatever. But uh, to like discredit the Me Too movement or her part in it and like her work within it or for it um, on behalf of women and, and sharing their stories about abuse and people in power doesn't discredit her experience. And if anything... It, abuse begets abuse. Like it makes sense. Like she's like, you know, it just makes sense. It's like, it's a trickle down effect. Like, you know, I oftentimes you hear about like a child who's molested goes on to molest, uh, you know, somebody in his life or her life. It's not like, and so people need to be a little bit more gentle. Everybody's so like, not that I'm saying like, Oh great, Jimmy, you know, good for her fucking a, a 17. Like, no, no. Like I'm just saying it's like, it's not, it's not a shocker. It's like, oh, it's disappointing. And it's like, ooh, oh, wow. That's an, okay. Didn't know that was coming. But, uh, but if anything, it makes my heart just ache and go, oh my God. You know, people have an effect on one another and yeah, abuse begets abuse. It's something, you know, it happens. 
it's not, it's not a new story, but everybody wants to spin everything into clickbait and nobody has any empathy and nobody has any, do, do people not have the capacity for, uh, you know, the fact that like life is complex and things aren't black and white and I'm not making excuses for whatsoever or for anybody. Um, I'm just saying that it's not like, Oh fuck, I am shocked. She should fucking be murdered. Like, no, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. The tapestry of life. It's confusing and it's, yeah, there's a ripple effect. And, uh, you know, the abused become abusers and, and it's like, yeah, yikes, yikes. That's what I'm going to end on. Yikes. Um, I do want to say, um, I mean, a few other things, this has nothing to do with that. Maybe this is a weird segue, but like, you know, I don't want to go talking about, a, 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 you know, the abused becoming abusers or, or some things being cyclical, but, uh, this is on a way lighter note. I'm being stalked by my dentist. My dentist keeps calling me or the, or the receptionist. She's called me four times. I haven't been to this dentist in years. They keep calling me like a scorned lover. It's very bizarre. Hi, Alexi. This is Nina Queen, Dr. Fuji. Just a reminder one more time again, you are due for your checkup hygiene appointment. Please give me a call. We would love to see you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. And I should have, I should have kept the, you know, I deleted it, but there's like a, there's like a really long voicemail that was left for me where the lady was like guilt tripping me. She's like, you know, the least you can do is just give us a call. Just let us know. Like you owe us that. What's going on? We just want to make sure you're, you're going to any dentist. You need to be going to a dentist. But you know, we had a great time together while it lasted. We just don't know where you've been. Are you okay? What's going on? That was one. I thought it was going to end there. I didn't call back. You know why? Because I don't need to call back. Leave me alone. Get the hint. You've called me four times. Leave. You're a, it's a dentist office. This is out of control. This is ridiculous. Um, and also every time I would go to the dentist, it was just, uh, I don't know. There's a thing in Hollywood when you go to a doctor or when you go to a dentist, uh, they like to ask you how your career is going. If they've seen you on TV, uh, or they, and they know you're an actor or whatever, they always want to make sure your career is going great. And then if, if you're, you haven't been working enough or something or, 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 you know, to their liking, they're like, oh God, you gotta, you should really go out for, you know, you should really call your agent or you should have gone out for this part in this movie. Or why aren't you starring in movies? You should, you should star in some movies. And then you're like, what? Oh my God. Just clean my teeth, clean my teeth. You don't even do that well. And now you're telling me how to have a life hack to like be a, you know, a movie star. Yeah, everybody wants to be a series regular uh, in Los Angeles, in the world. Everybody wants to be a series regular on a TV show or a movie star or what have you. So I don't know why you think, oh, oh God, I, was, oh, I actually was on a job the other day. I shot some commercial and this woman was, was working and she was talking about, she's African-American. She was talking about how all of her family members, like, all, like the, the moms and the grandmas think that, that, like to tell her and all of her friends who are African-American, they go, they go, Hey, you know what you got to do? You got to call Tyler Perry. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to, you got to get in with Tyler Perry or they're like, you know what you got to do? You got to call Oprah. You got to, you got to get in with Oprah. And it's just like, she was just like laughing so hard because it's like so ridiculous. Cause you're like, Oh yeah. Oh, what a great idea. Thank you. Anyway. Um, listen, I got to get to these emails cause there's a lot, there are a lot of emails to get through. Um, I don't know if I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I think I was going to get to this, but um, I'm very excited because Glamour Magazine is doing a story about me 
and my big sister sessions. And if you don't know what those are, um, I had one today. It was incredible. Uh, so big sister sessions are these, uh, these one-on-one sessions I have with women, women only, whatever your age, uh, ethnicity, sexual orientation, whoever you are, wherever you are. Uh, I'm based in Los Angeles. If you can't meet with me in person, we do them over Skype. And I've done so many of them and I love doing them. And it's, let me, disclaimer, uh, I didn't go to college. I am not a doctor. I am not a trained professional. I am what I am. I am a podcasting writer, actor, host, and with a, I'm an only child with a lot of love to give and a lot of energy. I've got so much energy. And my favorite thing to do in the entire world is listen to people talk about their feelings. I love listening to other women tell me about their emotional spirals, their insecurities, their feelings, their obsessions with, you know, whether it be with like career, family, weight, love, sex, dating, relationships, whatever, goals. I don't know what astrology. I don't care. Target. Tell me more. Everything. Whole Foods, the Grove, malls, the Apple store, whatever it is you want to talk about. Anyway, Target. Okay. Um, So I while I'm not a trained professional uh, and I definitely don't want to ever be referred to as a life coach, even though that's uh, an easy thing to call me, I call myself the big sister you never knew you needed or wanted, the big sister you always wish you had. Um, And I call these things, I offer this thing called uh, big sister sessions. So you Skype with me for an hour or meet with me in person in Los Angeles for an hour and uh, I put my full attention on you. You tell me everything you're going through and I leave you with homework. I give you actual like useful tools and homework. Uh, so you walk away with these things to do. And not only does every girl usually feel better because they've been heard, because sometimes people just want to be listened to, you know, and they just want to be able to say everything they need to say. But I actually do care. It's a miracle. But I do. I really do. My heart just like expands and I'm just like, tell me everything. Oh my God. And strangers and me, I'm, I'm a stranger to these girls, right? I mean, really, like they might listen to my podcast or have read my blog that I used to have a long time ago, um, but called I'mboycrazy.com where I would write about all my like, you know, spirals, my emotional spirals over love and sex, dating relationships, all the stuff, you know, all the stuff I just mentioned previously. Um, so they, they kind of think they know me or they've just heard me recently on a podcast, but uh, I do have some perspective since I don't know you. And there are no consequences to me, uh, you know, t- giving it too straight. So I love just giving blunt but loving advice. And uh, yeah, so Glamour Magazine is doing uh, a piece about me. And I'm going to give the writer a big sister session. Um, that's going to be fun. And then uh, I guess she's going to interview me. And that's all happening tomorrow. I'm very excited. Uh, and if you guys out there, if you girls out there, if you women out there, ladies, um, want to book your own big sister session with me, feel free to do so. I'm looking forward to it. I'm wildly looking forward to it. You have no idea. Uh, the one that happened today was so great because the girl had a lot to tell me about. She said so many things and I just related to her so intensely. I just listened and then gave her so many book recommendations, podcast recommendations, uh, meditations, seminars uh, to look into and all these things. So if anything, you walk away with things that will help you And even if you're like, let's say you're getting over a breakup and you can't stop obsessing over whoever you're, you know, spiraling over, these are tools that will at first distract you so you can kind of like, you know, 
wrangle your attention and put it on something else that I tell you to put your attention on. And then as you do these things, whether it's, you know, read a book or listen to an audio book or meditate or, you know, what have you, all these things, um, once you get into them, you'll find that they're very helpful. And then, you know, then you also find that sometimes time is what makes things better. Sometimes you just need to cry, write in your journal and uh, let time go by uh, because things do become less serious and intense the longer uh, time goes by. Anyway, so if you want to book your own session, click the link in my bio on my Instagram page at Alexi Wasser. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Anyway, um, and other than that, I'm going to a wedding on Saturday. Kate Dwyer of, of, uh, of Witchsea, and Witchsea is a company that was started by Penelope Gazin and Kate Dwyer. They've, they're bo- they've both been on my podcast. Uh, take another drink if you're drinking anything. They've both been on the podcast, and Kate um, is getting married on Saturday, and I'm so excited. I've been invited to the wedding. You have no idea. Is it just me? I mean, I feel so... If, you, if you're invited to a wedding, you have to go. You have to go to the wedding because it's so, it's such an honor to be invited because it's such a special day that involves like the closest of friends, family members. You're watching two people like, you know, committing to one another in a really serious way. I'm an old fashioned uh, romantic, you know, I, I want to get married. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want intense, beautiful love and passion and commitment and monogamy. And I am honored that I'm going to this wedding on Saturday uh, so I can witness that. And I'm bringing the boyfriend, which is always a test for a relationship when you bring the person you're dating to a wedding and you guys go to a wedding together because it's like, you like look at each other and silently like think, oh my God, will we ever get to this point? Like, are we headed in this direction? And like, sometimes it's like a make or break kind of thing because you're like on a date and like you like look at each other and you're like, oh shit, like no, this is never going to happen. But I hope... That's not the case this Saturday. Uh, you know, I've got, uh, I'm feeling pretty positive about it. I'm just uh, needing an outfit. I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to wear. And, and you know, the, the boyfriend and I are going to try to coordinate. It's, uh, it's, it's a whole other ball game. Being in a relationship, just trying to go to a wedding, coordinating. And I'm not even the one who suggested that. He did. He was like, well, what, what color dress are you wearing? I've got to wear the same color tie. And I was like, what? Who are you? This is incredible. <laughs> this is everything I want. Um, I want more stuff too, though. Um, I, I want more. Okay. So let's get to, um, are you guys ready for some emails? Um, and I promise next week, as much as I love emails and rambling and chatting and talking, I want to get back to being a consistent podcaster because I feel like I have not been consistent. I mean, I don't feel like I know that I have not been consistent with this podcast. I've been Herky jerky with the with the dates I put it out. Sometimes it's a Wednesday. Sometimes I skip a week. Sometimes I like wait ten days before I put a new one out. I'm all over the place, and it's got to end because consistency is key. And this is very very unlike me. I don't know what's going on with me. I've been I've been on this like search on this journey. I'm trying to write this thing. I've been going to like you know retreats and learning and reading and just trying to like dive into my psyche and get a handle on what you know. I'm just trying to be a healthy person, having a healthy relationship and, uh, and survive. And sometimes it's hard to survive and put out a podcast every single week, but I am trying. So forgive me, um, if any of that matters to anybody. And if you've been noticing that my podcast release dates have been inconsistent, um, 
I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to address that. And I'm going to come back with a bunch of incredible guests. And uh, yeah, so look forward to that because I'm going to get way more serious on my podcast. I dropped the ball for a bit. I don't think I didn't notice. All right. Here is the first email. Dear Lexi, I was first introduced to your account when you hung out with Brittany Furlon. I love your Insta stories when you are out in LA just living your life. I start college in less than a week. I'm nervous to be in new classes with new people. I'm an introvert and very shy. It's very hard to put myself out there and make new friends. Uh, I know that many people say to just put yourself out there and join in all the events and clubs, but I don't think enough people realize how hard that is for shy people. Do you have any other advice besides just putting yourself out there and joining clubs? When I chose my major, I didn't know that it was psychology science, uh, which isn't what I thought it was. I, I, I think I should change my major to human development or counseling because I want to become a therapist. Should I graduate from college I'm currently at, that I'm currently at or should I transfer? Originally, when I got accepted, I was planning on going to CSU, uh, Cal State University, Long Beach, or somewhere else that isn't as close to home. My high school best friend and I are still trying to hold on to our, uh, to our friendship because we're going to different colleges. She wants to transfer to a college in Seattle. Should I try and hold on to this friendship? Did you go to college? How was your experience? Sorry if all this seems confusing. I hope you're having a great day and keep doing what you're doing. Sincerely, Anonymous. I'm not going to say anybody's name. Oh my goodness, Anonymous. Okay. First of all, I didn't realize that there are going to be a lot of questions within this one email. Um, as far as making new friends, okay, I get it. You know, you're, you're start, you start college in less than a week. You're nervous to be in the new classes with all these people. You're a shy introvert. I get it. Um, I think you just don't need to worry yet. You're not even in the class. All you have to do is, yeah, be yourself. I'm serious. I, I mean... Okay, so you're asking whether or not you should just put yourself out there and, you know, how annoying it is that people say just be yourself. But you know what? I know it's cliche, but yeah, don't force yourself to do anything. I mean, make eye contact with other human beings. Um, join clubs if they sound interesting to you. And just, you know, smile at people if you want to. Ask questions. Like, don't be afraid to, like, start conversations with other people by, like, as long as you start a conversation, it doesn't even matter how you started it. I, I would say this about flirting as well. Um, except I have another rule where I'm like, I don't like to talk first to the person I'm flirting with because I want them to say the thing first. So usually I just like make eye contact or like smile and like let the other person get it started. I mean, that's what I would do when I was single, but, uh, you know, even on a dating app, I like the, I like the guy to write to me first. I mean, it's already like shooting fish in a barrel. All right. Let them at least write first. But, uh, if you're trying to make friends, any question even if it's bogus as long as you're hooked hooking into like starting a conversation you can be like excuse me um can I borrow your pencil or uh, excuse me I'm looking for room 102 is, is room 102 over there or oh excuse me wait is do I have the right textbook is this it is that okay great I like your socks compliment people if you actually feel legitimately like you want to compliment their thing but don't be too desperate um, yeah, just start conversations by asking a question, like a legitimate question, making eye contact and also, um, but yeah, be true to yourself about what clubs you join. And when you're talking about your major, uh, and you, uh, and you don't like psychology science, uh, and that you, it's not what you thought it was. Yeah, for sure. Change your major. 
my God, your major better be something you want to major in. And if you want to change to human development or counseling, yeah, change to that ASAP, please. The sooner, the better. Change, change, change. Be authentically you. Follow your heart. Do what you need to do. Follow your intuition. Don't be scared. Just, yeah, go to the, you know, knock on whatever door you need to knock on and uh, make that change. And you don't want it to fill up before you make the change. So you better do that soon. Um, you want to know, should I graduate from the college I'm currently at or transfer? I, I really can't answer that for you. Um, you said originally when you got accepted, you were planning on transferring to CSU Long Beach or somewhere else that isn't close to home. Listen, I can't answer these questions for you. Again, you have to just listen to your intuition, uh, do what feels right for you, what makes you happy. I mean, I don't know what you can afford or what makes more sense or what makes you happiest. Do what you want to do. Like this is the first of many decisions you will make for yourself based on uh, being true to yourself. So just only, you have all the answers to all these questions. I can't answer them for you. But you did say your high school best friend, uh, you guys are trying to hold on to your friendship because you're going to go to different colleges. If she wants to go to Seattle, a college in Seattle, uh, go, like let her go. And then text her or FaceTime with her or, or Instagram DM with her or, yeah. I mean, you don't have to like hold on for dear life on, you know, onto this friendship, but it's like wish her well. Know that you guys are going to have separate experiences and you might grow apart, but you don't have to be angry and vicious about it or upset. And hopefully she won't be either. And, uh, as you know, she's going to do what feels right for her and you're going to do what feels right for you. And that's great. You know, you hope people like go off into their, you know, and find themselves and do what they need to do. So, um, you know, all you have to do is just contact her when you want to and text her when you're thinking about her and call her up at, at the end of a day of, of college and be like, you know, let her know how you're feeling and check in with her and ask her how she's feeling. And you guys can both commiserate about like whatever's going on, if it's difficult or exciting or scary, or if you have a crush on anyone and making new friends, like you can, t these are all things you can talk about with your friend. So, and, and be a support system for one another. So there's that. You ask me if I went to college. No, I didn't. Uh, I did not go to college. I didn't want to. Nobody in my family was paying attention to whether or not I applied to colleges. I don't know where the fuck they were, but they weren't paying attention. And uh, I didn't go to college. I moved to New York the day after I graduated high school. And that, for me, that was, you know, my, my life was, yeah, I went to the college of life. So that was very exciting. Um, but yeah, I hope any of that helps. And thank you for writing in. All right. Okay. Next email. Hi, Alexi. Let's keep this anonymous, please. Do you have any tips on meeting guys in real life? I always want to be the girl that goes up to the cute guy in the coffee shop and coyly gives him my number. But I have never had the courage, nor would I even know how to begin. Thanks for doing what you do. Well, you know what? It's funny. I just kind of said this uh, in the last email. I, I mean, I pay attention to every detail of everything and like, what do I, what is my intention and where am I coming from and what do I feel and what do I want? Um, I used to be very bold and very flirtatious with men and like, you know, put myself out there in real life and ask a question and, you know, come up with an excuse to start a conversation. Um, but then I realized like, oh, these relationships aren't the ones that I want for myself. Like I don't want... I don't want to be the masculine energy, the masculine energy in a relationship. And like what I kind of learned was like, and, and if this doesn't make sense, let me try to explain this. I would be bold and make the first move with men 
And then I would be disappointed when they weren't acting the way I would prefer them to act, like making plans and like pursuing me. And like, I was like, ew, I've got to be the pursuer. Like, why am I playing the part of the pursuer? And it's kind of interesting. And I read this book by Pat Allen, who was a guest on this podcast called Getting, uh, Getting to I Do, which is like a weird title. It's not, it's not what it sounds like, but she kind of broke it down and, uh, validated what I was already feeling where it's like, you have to know what kind of relationship you're after and what kind of relationship, the quality of the relationship that would make you happy. So I realized like, oh, I want to be the feminine energy in a relationship. Like everybody has both energies in their system. You know, I I have feminine energy and masculine energy right now, even on this podcast, because it's work and it's like, I'm, you know, I'm I'm, uh, leading with my personality and it's kind of dominant and I'm just, this is my show and whatever. This is masculine energy. In my relationship, I would not make the first move or say hello first. Uh, You know, if I meet him on an app, I would want him to, you know, we, we will match and I want him to make the move first. I want him to message me first. I want him to ask me on the date. Um, I want him to pay for the, you know, for, for dinner because I want him to be in his masculine energy and that's what the kind of relationship I'm looking for. And, and, you know, in my romantic relationship, I want to be the feminine energy. And, uh, and so there are just ways in which, uh, you go about that. So, you know, if you want a certain kind, if you want, if you want to be the masculine energy in a relationship, that's great. You just have to know what you want. It's about being clear on what you want. And if you want to be, kind of masculine and make the first move, great. Like make eye contact, start a conversation, um, go, oh my God, it was really great meeting you. Like, uh, what's your name? Oh, blah, blah. oh, um, you know, you could always message the person on Instagram, get their Instagram handle, whatever, DM them, or you have to just be patient and you have to wait for them to come for you if you want to be the feminine energy in the relationship. So you decide. So, uh, but I mean, my God, I love meeting people in real life. And they say, I mean, according to Pat Allen, you, all you have to really do is you just make eye contact with somebody. You just hold eye contact. Maybe it's uncomfortable, but it's kind of really sexy. You, you, like somebody looks over at you, you look at them and you hold their gaze and you smile. And it's like three or four or five seconds, I think. I don't know. I mean, I did this, I've done this a million times before without even reading about it in a book. It sounds so dumb to be like, I read this in a book, but it's like, yeah, and then you feel that tension and it's like, ooh, your eyes lock and like, and you hold it and it's so fucking sexy. So like, yeah, that's a cool way to like begin getting connected to someone in real life and depending on what kind of energy you want for your personal relationship, none of my business, I don't give a fuck, you do what you need to do as long as you're clear, you either approach the dude if you want to be the masculine energy or you let him approach you if you want to be the feminine energy. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, but places to go. I mean, I always think Whole Foods, parties, dinner parties, uh, bars, the Grove. I just, I'm going to say the same places over and over. Target. I just love, and like house parties and uh, seeing bands play. Just, uh, you know, coffee shops, wherever. So many places. Just look up. Everybody has to like look up and not be on their phone all the time and fucking look up or else you're going to miss like the next love of your life for the love of God. Anyway, just keep those eyes, keep those peepers open and looking around. All right. I'm reading another email. Okay. Um, Dear Alexi, I just discovered you on the internet and I think you're a genius. I need a poster of you on my ceiling. I mean, wall. 
if you don't have any posters for sale, you should. People would definitely buy them, even if they didn't know you. Even if they didn't know that you had a personality that would buy them. Oh, um, if you don't have posters for sale, I'll probably, I'll, I will probably make one and maybe I'll send them and make millions. Oh God, I'm fucking at this whole email. If you don't have posters for sale, I'll probably make one and maybe I'll sell them and make millions. Thank you for being hilarious. Also, what song have you been blasting in your car lately? Uh, with love and healthy obsession, anonymous. Um, what have I been listening to? I've been blasting. Well, I danced the other night like a crazy. Oh, by the way, thank you for your email. Thank you for potentially wanting to jerk off to me uh, via putting a poster of me on your ceiling slash wall. Love that. Very, very flattered. Anyway, JK, JK, but thank you. Um, what have I been listening to? I mean, I always love Beach House, but I also, I was listening to Madame Gandhi the other day because she performed at uh, the By Felipe book release party, and that was a blast. And uh, I just danced all night, and then I posted a video of me dancing on my Instagram, and, uh, you know, it's a great night. A great night for dancing and Instagram content. So there, I hope that answers your question. All right, here is another email. Hey, Lexi, I heard you talk about birth control or lack thereof on a previous podcast with a guest. I was wondering, are you against hormonal birth control and just use non-hormonal methods like the copper IUD Paragard, or do you just rely on condoms or the pullout method? Don't want to be TMI, but I'm asking because I had a bad experience where a condom broke in me. So I'm curious about your thoughts. Thanks. Anonymous. Well, and this is, okay. So, um, as far as birth control, I have never been on the pill. And again, listen, do, I mean, don't just, don't, this is my personal experience. I don't want to lead anybody, uh, astray, I, you know, or, or, but, uh, I've never been on birth control. I've always been terrified of taking pills as far as like for birth control or, or like antidepressants. So that's just me. And I've noticed or what I heard from my family members, even though like, who knows, medicine has changed so much, but, uh, all the women in my family have always been like, birth control makes us crazy. And I'm like, Oh God, does it? Oh shit. I don't need to be, I don't need to be crazier, but, uh, how dare you? I'm not crazy anyway. But, um, so I've always just used condoms or the pullout method. Guilty is charged. Busted. Um, you know, and I have had like, I've had, uh, you know, there have been times where, you know, there's a problem and a, uh, a condom will break inside you and you have to go get the, uh, morning after pill from whatever CVS is open and you always make the guy pay for the, uh, the morning after pill. Okay. You're a lady. You deserve at least that. So anyway, that's my answer. Condoms and the pullout method. On to the next email, baby. All right. Um, all right. It says, Hey boo, I just listened to your latest podcast where you said in the intro, enough, enough with all the shadow work and, and you listen to some Abraham Hicks stuff to take a break and just feel positive for a second. Watch this. It's only 20 minutes, but I think this will clarify a big knot of stuff for you because I totally get it. Oh, the work, all the work, enough, enough. I hope this helps. I've been following your blog for a long time. Love your peppermint patty. Um, love anonymous. Okay. She means I was in a, I was a, I was in a peppermint patty commercial a while ago. Um, well, thank you. And I did watch the link to this video you sent. I had been talking about on a previous podcast that like I went to this Neil Strauss seminar workshop that was like a three day workshop and 
you know, I've done all this hypnotherapy on freeandnative.com, Lacey Phillips' website. She's a previous guest on this podcast. And I've just done all this work as far as like, you know, looking at everything that happened in your past and in my past and uh, childhood and, and uh, you know, dealing with self-worth and raising your self-worth and, and manifesting things and just like really taking a good hard look at yourself and all the subconscious beliefs you have about yourself that you weren't aware of that might be holding you back. So I was doing all this work up until like not even, you know, just even like last weekend at this seminar and I just hit a wall where I was like, you know what? Okay, I get it. I know what my issues are, you know, and they're not even that bad. They're my issues. They're my childhood things, uh, you know, but how much longer can I talk about this shit? How much longer can I wallow in this fucking shit? Okay, move forward. Let's keep it moving. So that's what, that's what this email is in reference to. And thank you so much for sending me that link. Um, it was a link, like a self-help thing about shadow work and stuff like that. I, I can't even kind of explain it. And it was a little, it was helpful. It was helpful. It was a little bit helpful. Um, but it also just made me want to just like move forward because at some point you just have to like just move forward and kind of like, again, wrangle your thoughts, um, kind of get control of yourself and master what you put your attention on and your outbursts and what you choose to freak out about or vice versa. I don't know. It's like, I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to meditate, write down things I need to do every day, uh, to achieve my goals and to feel creative and to put things out into the world. And it's like, I just don't want to wallow in the past anymore. So it got overwhelming. So yeah, I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that, but, uh, yeah. This email says, hi, Lexi, I'm Maya. I'm 16 and I live in LA, AKA the worst place to live while your mind is still developing. I have mild depression that stems from my early childhood and body face dysmorphia. I believe I am overweight for my age and need to start working out, but I can't afford a gym. And whenever I do anything at home, my mom is constantly watching over my shoulder. A part of the reason I'm overweight is because I have no self-control and I eat like shit. Do you have any tips on getting in shape and losing weight? Lots of love, Anonymous. P.S. I'm 5'5 and I'm shifting between 149 and 156. Um, and this is a girl who sent me this email. Thank you so much for sending me your email. Um, here's the deal. I completely relate to what you're talking about because when I was like 13, 14, 15, 16, up until God knows when, um, and luckily I don't feel this way anymore, I was, I mean, especially at your age, at 16, obsessed with my weight, obsessed with like the size of my thighs, what I was eating. I would like binge eat. Um, you know, I'd open up the refrigerator and like eat an entire loaf of bread or a whole pizza or a whole box of cereal. I had no self-control and my, you know, I'd be fixated on losing weight so I could look like a supermodel or something. And, and all my fixation and obsession would just like lead me to eat more. And, you know, which reminds me, it's like, it's true. It's like what you put your attention on expands, you know, um, what's that saying? What you, oh God. Oh, I can't remember. There's like some, some quote that I heard from some smart, smart, well-balanced, well-meaning spiritual guru who was probably talking to Gwyneth Paltrow on the Goop podcast said, uh, 
I can't remember something, something along the lines of like what you, you know, uh, put your attention on gets bigger. Um, so what I would say is, first of all, you're great. You're beautiful. I don't have to see you. I don't have to meet you. I don't have to know anything else about you. You're beautiful. You're perfect. You know, just be gentle with yourself and just, we're just so mean to ourselves. Like, oh my God, our inner voices and our inner critic, like, oh my God, the things I tell myself and especially used to tell myself about my body. And like, I wouldn't even leave the house sometimes when I was younger and I would want to go to a party or something. And I'd look at myself in the mirror and be like, oh, I can't fit into my jeans. Oh, I'm, I'm not allowed to go out because I don't look good. And I don't like my butt. Like I'd look at myself from every angle and take photos from every angle and just like, oh, burst into tears. It was ridiculous. Because who's got time for that anymore? And I know, I understand why you're feeling what you're feeling. First of all, I also read that like at at your age, at like 15, 16, um, kids don't make a certain amount of dopamine. You don't make like like there's a a chemical that's not being released in your brain. Uh, Your body isn't making enough of it because you're so hormonal and you're growing and and stuff. And again, I'm no doctor. I'm no doctor, but this is what I heard. So I'm going to say it in the most sloppy, non-doctorly way on this podcast, but uh, it's all well-meaning and full, filled with love. But uh, so you're extremely moody and you're, you're, you know, there's a, there's a chance you're, you're more inclined to be depressed. I mean, I was completely depressed at 15 and 16. My God, I was the most depressed I've ever been in my life at 16 years old. So know that you're not alone and this will pass. And, you know, I am not opposed, even though I'm not an, on antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication, um, you know, if you visit a psychiatrist that somebody recommends and you sit down with them, and you tell them what you're feeling and what you're experiencing and they see you one or two or three times, you know, there's always, the, there is help, you know, there's always, if you're at such a low point, you can always go on a very low dose of something just to like adjust your mood, but your brain is still forming and you're growing and you are hormonal and you're not making like, you know whatever the chemical is that makes you happy. And, and, and so it's like, just know whether you decide to go to a, a, a therapist, psychologist, a psychiatrist, go on medication or not, um, and you can't afford a gym, well, go on long walks. Drink a lot of water every day. Drink a 1.5 liter bottle of water a day. This is what I would do. And I would go on like very long walks around my neighborhood or I'd go with a friend and it's free and walking is such a nice grounding thing to do. And it's like, you can people watch and you can look in stores and you don't, you don't need to go on a hike, just walk around the city or, you know, whatever, and just wear something comfortable that you feel cozy and comfortable and cute in. And you're always cute. Just like put, put clothes on. Okay. And then, and put on some comfortable shoes and go walking and just know that you're allowed to exist in the world. You're, you know, like you don't have to be who told you what you're supposed to look like? You're not supposed to look any which way. You know, your weight is fine. And if you feel like it's a health factor and you want to look a different way to be healthy or just fit in your clothes better, or just feel more um, like you have more energy or whatever, like, and you have a goal for yourself. Great. Okay. But like, there's no time frame to get there. Just be gentle with yourself and be kind to yourself. You know, you're, you're perfect as you are. So water, walking, and um, don't pick at your face. I would do that all the time. I would always pick at like zits that, that nobody else could even see. I'd pick at my face all the time and, and just like I called it doing surgery on my face and like that just made me feel worse. So like just put on facial masks. Get a cheap facial mask at like CVS or Target or whatever. Put on your, your green, mint green julep facial mask or a mud mask and or a peel-off mask or whatever. 
take an Epsom salt bath, you know, tell your mom to mind her own business, even though I'm sure she loves you. I hope, you know, I'm sure she does. I'm sure she does. But, uh, you know, and just try to, you know, what I would do is I would just try to not eat everything on my plate all the time. And I would, or I would like eat my food and then like give myself 20 minutes before I like go get another plate. Cause then you'll realize like, Oh yeah, I'm full. Easier said than done. Cause it's so fun to just keep eating and stuff. But you'll notice, like I used to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, Oh, oh God, I wanted the, the worst. So, so yeah, just, just move slower, move slower with the eating. Walk with a friend or by yourself. Just be safe. Don't walk at night. Don't go down a dark alley by yourself or at all. And uh, just yeah, ease up in yourself because these are like mean voices in your head. You know, nobody that you see at like Erewhon or Whole Foods in Hollywood is like looking at you being like, ugh, like they're too worried about themselves. You're great. You could beat all those boneheads by just liking yourself. All you have to do is shift your perspective, really. And like, that's kind of the trick for everything, for all of our problems. Like whether you're obsessing over a, a lover or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or your weight or your whatever, you know, this mean self-talk and like being like, oh, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. It's not how it's supposed to be. I'm upset. Nothing's ever going to change. Easier said than done. But if you can just change the perspective in your mind, that can make you feel so much better. I love meditating. I've kind of started meditating a lot more lately. And, and I've, when I almost did go on antidepressants like a couple of weeks ago or a month, like a month ago, um, my friend was like, you know, before you go on antidepressants, I want you to try, if you wouldn't mind, do you want to try Buddhist chanting? It's like a form of meditation. It's, it feels like, you know, you're meditating, but it's, it gets you more in your body because the vibration of the meditate of like the chant gets you in your body and it keeps you focused. So I've, I've been doing that. I've been doing that and it helps. And at first I was like really kind of shy about it. And I was like, oh my God, is this weird? Is this weird? But now I do it and I do it for like a half hour. Anytime during the day, I make sure to factor it in. And uh, because I'm very in my head, you know, and I think a lot of us are. And we're all like glazed over on our smartphones and on Instagram, comparing our lives to other people and monitoring like what our friends and, you know, loved ones are doing and just like feeling like crazy control freaks and out of control and angry and jealous and envious, whatever. So just fucking put your phone on silent, turn it off, delete the apps for a minute. And yeah, I just go like this. I'm going to do it phonetically. Okay. It's just Buddhist chanting. Relax. Very cool. People are Buddhist. Anyway, I'm not even saying I'm Buddhist. I'm just saying I do this type of meditation because the vibration of the chant gets me out of my head. So I'm not just staring at a wall, like waiting for the timer to go off, like dealing with all my thoughts coming out of, out of my head. Cause the thoughts do come in and out of my head, but, but, uh, getting back to the chant makes me, you know, again, get out of my head and get more into my body. So the chant is, and you can Google it. It's nam mio ho renge kyo nam mio Ho, Renge, Kyo. So then you just start doing it and like you kind of like do it on a loop. So it's like Nam, Mio, Ho, Renge, Kyo, Nam, Mio, Ho, Renge, Kyo, Nam, Mio, Ho, Renge, Kyo, K, 
Kyo Nam. So then if you take a breath, just imagine like, just get back into the chant where, you know, where it would have been going. Like you you keep the loop going on in your head and then you just jump back into it. Um, You know, just start over again if you have to take a breath. Anyway, I hope that wasn't too scary or cult-like because I am not a cult member. How dare you? I'm just an only child who loves Target and, uh, you know, making out. Anyway, hope that helps, beautiful girl. You're wonderful. Just, again, take a breath. You're going to get through this. Oh, and my mom said this really wonderful thing a while ago. She was like, um, when I was talking to her, just kidding. Uh, I think my grandma or my grandfather may have told this to her, but they said, um, you know, my mom was like, I don't like my thighs. I don't like my thighs. My thighs are too big. And my mom, uh, I think somebody said to my mom, well, if you don't like your thighs and you're mean to your body and you say mean things to your body, why would you ever expect it to do anything nice for you? Why would you expect it to change for you? And my mom was like, oh, good point. So it's like, be gentle on yourself. You know, don't be talking shit to your body internally with all these subconscious mean voices. Be kind to yourself. And then, you know, keep towards the path that you want to get to, uh, whatever it may be. So I hope that helps. All right, on to another email. This one uh, says, hi, Lexi. I first want to say thank you. I've really enjoyed your journey, openness, honesty, childhood, relationship. Your relationship is an expander for me, by the way, in more ways than one. I love all of the different tools you've introduced that have worked for you. I myself have dived deep into free and native, human design, and all of the things that you introduced me to. Truly life-changing. Thank you. I'm currently going through a major shift because of all this work, and I know big moments are coming. I'm now working on manifesting a new role in my career where I can truly share my gifts as a projector and a Leo. I've been single for a long time, doing a lot of healing, and I know my future partner, soulmate, lover, husband is right around the corner. What do you recommend? To trust or more importantly, have patience, whether it's manifesting the job or the partner or the new house, etc. Any advice you can give would be truly appreciated and keep doing what you're doing. Signed, Anonymous. Um, well, thank you very much. Um, since I'm not writing, saying any of the names uh, and I'm saying every, everything is signed anonymous, I'll let you know uh, this is a woman who wrote to me. And uh, thank you for your email. And my goodness, I mean, thank you for all the kind words. And as far as like what's more important, trust or patience and any advice I can give you for manifesting stuff, I mean, my goodness, I'm, I am a work in progress. And I do have to tell you, like I, you know, once you even manifest what you think you're looking for, or what it, whatever it is you think you want, it doesn't end there. It keeps happening. And, uh, you know, whether it's a career uh, that, you're, that you're after, a job, a relationship. And, you know, just speaking for myself, I'm, I'm in a different type of relationship than I've ever been in with a, you know, a, a, a man that, you know, is unlike any other man I've dated. So, and as good as it is and beautiful as it is and wonderful as he is and, you know, nice as we are together, uh, when you call something new into your life, and anytime you step into some kind of new situation, it's not like a romantic comedy where it like ends, uh, you know, right when the couple gets together and you're like, wow, what a happy ending. They found each other. You know, life keeps happening in the real world. You've got to like walk through things and learn how to be and learn how to like raise your game and rise to the occasion and walk through uncomfortable uh, experiences where you don't have very much uh, ex- uh, just 
things that are maybe like unsettling and new territory for you. So that could be in a relationship or with a job. You know, sometimes, you know, for me, um, and I, I, I want to go back to like, just really quickly, I said earlier in the podcast, in this episode, that like, after I got in that argument with my mom and, and her husband in front of, you know, my boyfriend on the night when I was introducing him to my mom and her husband for the first time, it left me feeling kind of lonely because it made me go, oh, like, I'm disappointed in my mom. I'm going to, like, just take a little bit of a break from her, whether that means, like, a couple weeks or days or months or whatever. I'm kind of pissed and disappointed and just upset. And it made me feel kind of lonely because I I use my mom as such a, you know, for lack of a better word, use. Uh, I, I... I use my mom as a major support system for myself. You know, I, I tell her about every thought and feeling I'm having. I go to her for advice. I, I, I ask her to listen to all my my woes and uh, and my emotional spirals when they happen. And uh, and to think like, oh, I'm annoyed with her, and I like don't really want to talk to her. It makes me feel lonely. But it's interesting because now I don't know if this sounds unhealthy, but uh, it's interesting because that experience with her. And seeing how my boyfriend reacted and how calm he was and how usually all my discomfort within the relationship is like trying to make friends with calm, with calmness. Is that even a word? So seeing him in that situation made me kind of like lean more towards him and kind of go, wow, maybe, maybe I can become friends with consistency and a relationship that's calm and a man who isn't uh, a lot of drama, who doesn't love a lot of drama, a man who just wants to be happy and calm and relaxed all the time and, and not, you know. So that, that was kind of a nice thing. So my point in all of that is uh, if there's any point, if I'm making sense, and not that it's like you should go from one crutch, like a, a, parental, a parental crutch to like a relationship crutch or be codependent in any which way, but my, my point is it was just interesting how like... Um, uh, I'm just seeing myself change and that does take patience. And to go back to your question, like, um, you know, you're, you're, st- you know, you're raising your self-worth, you're, you're, you're calling things into your life. You're, you're asking the universe for things that you want. You're, you're dreaming big of things you want and your perfect relationship and all this stuff. And, and, and you just, you're asking for advice. And I'm just saying like, you know, there are no magical words. It's like, you just have to keep walking through everything. And it's like, and pay attention to your feelings and see what comes up for you. And, and, uh, and know that sometimes through the discomfort, uh, it's okay if things are uncomfortable because you're growing. And when you grow, you know, you have growing pains. And uh, I was just giving you my personal, uh, story about, uh, you know, I don't know if it completely lines up with what you're talking about, but it just, this aside was about how like, I just don't want chaos in my life. And sometimes I run from calm because I'm so used to chaos from my childhood, from my parents, from my past relationships, from what I think love should be and passion and all this stuff. And, and it was such an interesting moment the other day, just kind of like finding myself in a chaotic moment and being like, oh, I'm done with this. I don't like this. And I want to just make friends with calm and just settle into that. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. And that's very new for me. So I hope uh, 
I hope that's helpful to you in any way. I mean, I guess the, the main point is like, yeah, have patience, be gentle with yourself. I said that to, to the last person who wrote me and, uh, yeah. And trust, trust that what you want will come, but, uh, but know that when it does, if it's not perfectly easy and, and like effortless, that, you know, that's okay too. And that cause you're, cause you're growing and, uh, yeah, I hope that helps in any way. I kind of went on a weird aside and I'm getting, I'm getting very caffeinated. Um, anyway, I'm going to read another email. This one says, hi, Alexi. Um, I'm friends with you on Instagram. Here's my background. I've recently found the strength and self-worth to end a 10 and a half year toxic relationship. And I am now doing intense work on my codependency attachment issues. I was, oh, this is, this is a perfect uh, email for what I just read. I was just wondering what your take was on casual relationships and casual sex. Uh, if you feel a really strong sexual attraction to someone, but know that they're not the one. I do a lot of Lacey Phillips work and I know she would say, no, know your worth, close all those relationship portals so that the one can come to you. But I've been listening to some Abraham Hicks stuff recently and I came across this video. Um, Anyway, it's a 12 minute long video. If you don't have time to watch it, it basically says that we should focus on what feels good in the moment and make the aim to just have so much fun and not to be on the search for a relationship. But meaningful moments uh, is, is what you should be on the search for. Meaningful moments, including sex. And you should use those moments as opportunities to line up with who you are. And then the one relationship must come. That relationship is in your vortex. And so as long as you're secure in what you want and not dependent, you can say uh, yes to any flings that you have and... Uh, and, okay, and you can say to any of the flings that you have, none of you are it. I'm just using you to get into my vortex. Alexi, so what are your thoughts? Bearing in mind, I have the same codependent anxious attachment issues as you do. Ha ha. Uh, I'm in two minds as to which theory. Lacey versus um, LOA. What's LOA? That's, is that Abraham Hicks? Um, okay, I'm in two minds as to which theory. Lacey versus LOA uh, is my real truth. If I got stronger in myself, would I be able to have casual relationships without getting attached and destroyed emotionally? But then I think, why should I settle for just sex? I am worth more. I am worth having the whole package with a man who really wants a relationship with me and not just to hook up with. I would love to hear your take on your experiences, uh, from your experiences. P.S. You should do a big sister session going thrift shopping. I would be on a plane to L.A. the next day. Ha ha. Oh, that's a great idea. Love you. I love your podcast, your Instagram, your Instagram stories, obviously, and your vulnerability. Signed, anonymous. Uh, P.S. What is the one book think uh, thing that? Oh my god, I'm having such a hard time reading this. P.S. What is the one book or thing you think helped you most? I've done Lacey's Reparent and Partnership, and I've just ordered Getting to I Do. Oh, um, well, let me tell you. All right, asked another woman who wrote this to me. I really did love getting to I do. It was very helpful. It just really makes you go, what kind of relationship do you want for yourself and how to kind of um, respect yourself and have boundaries and be really clear on what you want in a relationship and, and how to like navigate that and how to communicate with somebody when you're not getting your needs met without feeling like you're not allowed to say what you want. You know, I had a thing in the beginning of my relationship where he went out of town and he said he would text or call me every day because he knew that I would get like uneasy 
and I need to be in communication or else I'll feel like, ah. Um, and we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend officially yet, but we were only seeing each other. We were committed and we had just started having sex, but we weren't official BFGF. And he, I told him I was in a weird mood one night over text and he was like, oh, I hope you feel better. And he kind of like, and he didn't text me for like 30 hours and I lost it. I went ballistic. I was so pissed. I felt so he said he was going to check in on me every day. Technically he did because he, every day we were in contact, but it was like a 30 hour gap and he was in uh, Europe and I was in Los Angeles anyway. But I remember telling him, like I got a hold of myself and I was like, you know, really calm when I talked to him. And I was like, hi. Um, you know, he, he reached out and texted me. He was like, how are you doing today? Are you feeling better? And he was like, do you want to jump on the phone? And uh, cause he likes the phone and I like the phone making phone calls. And, uh, and I said to him when we were on the phone, I was like, you know, I just, so you know, and like, you're free to do whatever you want to do. This is, you know, i just want to let you know how, how I operate, like something along these lines. I think I was like softer and gentler with how I communicated this, but I was very like direct. I went, you know, you said you're going to check in on me every day and you haven't, you didn't call me for 30 hours and it just made me feel very like whatever. And well, anyway, I like to be in contact with a person and I like to stay in communication. It makes me feel like thought of and respected and whatever. Like I just didn't, I just didn't appreciate that. I hurt my feelings and whatever. Anyway. And he was like, Oh, I thought you wanted to be left alone. You know, he felt stressed out about it too. So it was just really nice because if you reading that book, getting to, I do, and a few other books. Um, what other book did I read? Something that I think Whitney Cummings told me to read when she was on my podcast. But it just showed me that like if you stay calm, cool, and collected and set aside a time to talk to the person you're dating and you're like very like, you're not casual, but you're like saying, hey, you, you know, you don't have to do this. It's none of, you know, it's, you, you live your life, but if you want to know what makes me feel happy and secure, this is what I need. Oh, there's another book. It's called getting the love you want. That's a similar, um, kind of book that deals with communicating in relationships and dealing with like childhood stuff and whether or not you feel like, you know, uh, anxious, uh, as an adult in relationships due to your childhood and like how you kind of walk through that and navigate and how you communicate. Uh, in relationships to, you know, because communication is so pivotal and yet people are so bad at it. And texting just makes things more confusing because you're like, ah, all these like walls, people are building up all these walls. You think you're more in, more in communication with people and you're more connected because of like Instagram and liking and DMs and texting and emails. But really it's like, can you talk to somebody face to face? Can you be on the phone with someone? And can you like say what you mean? And can you be calm when you communicate that? Anyway, those were helpful books. Okay, and as far as you talking about like freeandnative.com, Lacey Phillips theory about like waiting a while to have sex with somebody and making sure like you don't have a lot of casual sex because that'll get in the way of like the right partner for you to come in, you know, to come into your life. So, you're, okay, you, only you have the answer to this because you're kind of like jumbled in this email that you're sending to me. I almost want to read it again, but uh, don't worry about what Abraham Hicks says. Don't worry about what Lacey Phillips says. Um, but what do you want? So let's say you're, okay, you're really sexually attracted to someone and, uh, I, 
I used to have such, I used, I used to have casual sex all the time. I really did. It was like a sport for me. And I don't even want to say that now. It's so funny. I'm like such a different person, but, uh, you know, I don't want to have any regrets, but like I gave myself away to people who didn't deserve to be inside of me. Uh, and I thought it's because I was empowered and I was like, I love sex and that's so fun and I love making out and blah, blah. And while yes, maybe that made me good at sex or I got a lot of practice in and uh, luckily I walked away with no ST, STDs, STIs, whatever you call them, um, you know. Uh, now, if I were to do it all over again, if I were single right now and I did this dating this man I'm dating now, um, that, which was like the first time I've ever done that. Actually, no, my five-year relationship, I waited uh, over a month to sleep with my five-year relationship. That was like 10 years ago. And uh, that was like a mistake. I don't even know how that happened. Um, I think he went out of town. Um, and with this this man that I'm dating, we waited about five and a half, six weeks to sleep together. And that was a conscious decision on my part because I was testing out Lacey Phillips and Pat... Uh, Pat Allen's theory of like waiting for sex, getting into a relationship where the person is committed to you. You take the time to get to know them. I just wanted to see if I could wait because there's this thing that women do. And I'll just speak for myself. On one end of the spectrum, you go, I'm a feminist. I am empowered. I love sex. Nobody's going to tell me like I can't have sex. I'm a sexual person. Um, but then I noticed when I was in situations uh, where sex was, you know, uh, a factor or going to come into the mix, there was like a tiny, a very like quiet voice in my head that went, I didn't necessarily want to have sex, but I felt like I had to, like the guy would get mad at me. And that's my problem. That was like this like insecure people pleaser kind of thing inside of me where I could have, you know, of course I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. I've done it before. Who cares? You know, whatever. Who cares? It's just sex, whatever. But it is an intense thing. You're letting a person inside of your body. And I know that, like, you really have to pay attention to that. Do you really want to have sex? Or do you just want to have sex? Or would you, with sex nice, but is the reason you go through with it is a big part of it or even a tiny part of it because a little voice in your head is going, Oh, we might be annoyed. Oh, we've come this far. Oh, I'm too afraid to say no. It's too awkward to say no. It's too awkward to stop. We're already naked. We're in bed. We're making out. His fingers inside. Ah! Like, make sure you know what's running you and what the little voice in your head is saying. Make sure. And so I just decided to be like, you know what? I'm after intimacy now. I want intimacy. I don't want another person to have sex with. I've already done that. It's so boring. And I'd had three relationships in 2017 that just like ended horrifically. And I had slept with the people very quickly and they were very intense and they were like, you know, just we're boyfriend and girlfriend and I love yous were said immediately and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, like this is how it's supposed to feel. And like all this texting and intensity and all this stuff. And it just like burned so bright and then it just fucking burnt out. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do what these books are telling me to do. I'm going to wait because I've never tried it. It's a social experiment, you know? And I kind of got off on it. I thought it was really cool. I wish I, I wish I had waited longer. I could easily have waited 
a bit longer, you know? Um, but you know, I trusted him and, and, you know, it was, it was a lot of courting happening and six weeks of going to museums and dating and all this stuff and this lovely person and the intense attraction is like, you know, okay. But, uh, but I started to get really into the waiting. I would love to wait like three months to have sex. If I, if I'm single again, I don't even want to put that idea out there because I really want what I'm in right now to, to work out. Um, I'm in it for the long haul, but, uh, but yeah, cause it's so weird. Everything works so quickly now. Like everything just moves so fast that, uh, to wait is like super weird and freakier than anything else. And it's so sexy to prolong the inevitable. Oh my God. To like make out for hours and hours. Cause then like when you start having sex, all of a sudden, like, you know, the makeouts are shorter and, the booby suckling and the foreplay is like shorter in general, usually with people like, you know, you've got to make sure you keep that stuff alive because it's very easy to just be like, okay, we're fucking now or we're just going to get right to it. And like, there's something to be said for like drawing things out. It's so sexy. So I, I suggest, I mean, I don't know what you're looking for, but, um, I think you can have what feels good in the moment and, protect your self-worth and like be discerning with who you let inside your body. I really do think you can do both. And I think making out is really fun. And I think getting to know a person because I knew that I was in like, I was in all these six week relationships kind of things. And, and like in 2017 and they, I just would say to myself afterwards being like, wow, if I had waited six weeks to sleep with this person that I was in a six week relationship with, it would have saved me uh, the anguish and the, the I, I never would have slept with them. I would have gotten to know them, realized I didn't like them, realized we weren't a fit, realized they're irritating, realized they're unhealthy and wrong for me. And I never would have had sex with them. So I say, just try it a different way. That's what I think. That's what I would do because I kind of really got off on not having sex. It's so cool and weird and bizarre and interesting and uncomfortable. And you've got to like rise to the occasion. It's so easy to cave and be like, okay, all right, all right, let's just slide right into this. But uh, anyway, so those are my thoughts on that. But if you want to have like, if you want to have casual sex with someone and you're in the moment and you know you don't want to have a relationship with them or you're just like, you know, because I used to even, even before I read all these books when I was younger, I used to always think, oh, I don't like this guy at all. I don't want a relationship with him. I'll have sex with him immediately because I knew there was nothing to lose because he was just like a babe. If I thought he was like some well-meaning, hunky babe, but I wasn't like into his mind and I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't respect him or, you know, want anything more from him than a hot makeout and casual sex and a potential one night stand. Yeah, then I would do that. But if I knew, oh, this is a person that like matters, I knew to, to wait a bit. Then again, I've been like, I was in a three-year relationship with a guy I had sex with, uh, you know, on, uh, well, we had already dated as teenagers and then we re revisited our relationship in our thirties. But, um, you know, we had sex on the first night of seeing each other after not seeing each other for many, many years. Uh, but yeah, anyway, there's no real rhyme or reason, but you have to take care of yourself and protect yourself and do what you feel is right for you and not be afraid to speak up and say, I don't want to do this or I need to move slow. So I hope that helps. 
All right. This email says, hi, Lexi. We have a mutual friend, Teo Burkhart, who taught me meditation. That reminds me, I need to meditate again. I stopped for no reason other than laziness. Sad face emoji. Anyway, I listened to your podcast and I love that you keep it real. And I totally Wikipedia'd you and saw your dad as a legend and mom too. Uh, a question for you. In terms of beauty and youth, do you feel pressure to stay looking young? I find that since I'm about to turn 28, I'm starting to become more aware of it and a little obsessive about aging. And especially living in LA makes me feel like I need to keep up with the 20-year-olds with their glow. I hope that as I transition into my 30s, I will feel different, less obsessive, if you will. Um... And any advice on this topic is appreciated. Would love to meet you in person for coffee someday. I live on the east side and I work in WeHo. Thanks a lot. Signed, a girl in Los Angeles. Um, well, I am older than you. And uh, do I feel pressure to stay looking young? I sure do, baby. Oh, God. I mean, but I, I at the same time, I don't know if I don't worry about it as much because I feel like I'm aging very well. Uh, I, there I said it. I fucking said it. Uh, or... Um, maybe I just have done so much preventative stuff. Like I've never used Botox and I've never gotten fillers, but when I was younger, because my dad is so, um, hyper aware of aging and like more scared of aging than all of us combined, he told me a long time ago, he's like, Lexi, Lexi, man, you gotta, you gotta do this microcurrent therapy. You gotta buy 12 sessions of microcurrent therapy and go to this place in Brentwood that I go to. So at the time I spent like fucking 1200 bucks on 12 sessions of microcurrent therapy when I was like, I don't know how old I was in my twenties. And, uh, and I went on and another, and I think that helped and I have very oily skin. And so I had horrible acne in my twenties when I was around like 26 years old, 25, 26. Oh my God. Horrible pizza face, pizza face galore. It was insane. And so it got so out of control and I was shooting some movie at the time and I was like, I have to get my skin in good condition. I've had enough of this. I'm wearing so much makeup. I'm giving people hugs and I'm like leaving my makeup on their clothing. It was like so embarrassing. I was humiliated. I had, I had all this shame. And so I went on Accutane. I went on Accutane twice actually. Um, and there's a big stigma about Accutane. For me, I loved it. It cleared my fucking skin right up. It made my lips very chapped. Uh, it, it also pushes out all the zits you didn't even know you had beneath the surface of your skin. It pushes them all out into the open, which is like a nightmare because you're like, if you already thought you were a pizza face, all of a sudden you're like a pizza pizza face. It's crazy. So yeah, but that cleared my skin up. Then my skin was good for a few years and I went on Accutane a second time and you can't drink it all while you're on Accutane. You can't, uh, you definitely, you definitely can't get pregnant or your baby will be born with abnormalities and deformed and any, whatever. So I didn't get pregnant. Uh, I wasn't trying to. Um, but also I'm like, I've always used facial masks. I've always steamed. I, I go to like Korean, uh, spas and I go in all the pools and I go in all the steam rooms and I, I have a mic, uh, God, I have a microcurrent, um, thing called new face that I use at my house. Uh, it's like just portable and you can use it while you watch TV and it, it just, uh, stimulates collagen. Um, and I also have some kind of infrared, uh, light from this company. They gave me this company. It's called, uh, Oh God, it's called like light stim, light stim. And it stimulates collagen growth in your face. And uh, I use these things. I take Epsom salt baths. 
I shave my legs, whatever that means. I'm just telling you these things. Uh, I think my hair, I have blonde hair, but I'm a brunette because I dye my hair every single month. But uh, when I get really stressed out, I get gray hairs. And my mom went fully white, like white hair. Her hair turned completely white uh, when she was 21. That did not happen to me. But I've been dyeing my hair so long, I never, I don't even know if I have gray hairs, hairs yet. And then a couple of months ago, I was so stressed out over everything. Oh my God, I was having like a mental breakdown. Just like overwhelmed, overwhelmed about life. I was having like an existential crisis, all these things. And oh my God, I had all these gray hairs. So like my, my, uh, my, my hair guy, Jay Diola at Good Form, Los Angeles on Fairfax, he was like, you need to, you're stressed. Like all these gray hairs are just from stress. Like you need to fucking relax. So I relaxed a bit. The gray hairs are not coming in, just the blonde ones now. And, uh, but I continue to get my hair dyed and, uh, you know, so hair dyeing, microcurrent therapy, light stim, past, uh, skincare things that I did. Also, I would, when I, uh, I would go to my dermatologist all the time years ago and I would get peels and I would get like light laser facials and I would get my skin peeled. I would do like an intense like skin peel. Um, I think there are even more intense skin peels that I've never done because they're for older women. But, uh, but yeah, I would just turn, make sure to turn over the, the dead cells in my face all the time. So it's always like kind of baby skin underneath and, and I mean, that's what I do. Isn't that enough? But uh, I am like nine years older than you. So, and I, uh, I feel like I'm in my 20s. My boyfriend is 35 and all of his friends think that I'm like 28 or 29. And I'm like, is that, is, is that because I sound dumb? Uh, because I'm in my 30. No, but I, n- not, not at all. No, some of my most uh, intelligent friends are 21 or younger even. I've got teenage friends, which is bizarre, but true. Um, but yeah. So I just, I don't know, a lot of, uh, what else do I use? Oh, here's a great thing. Retin-A. Retin-A micro builds collagen. What it does is, again, it sloughs off the dead skin cells that are not turning over. And like, that's what kind of like um, makes you look like your your skin is dull. And and uh, that's why you get zits because like the skin cells aren't turning over and, and you, you know, your skin can't breathe. So you get these pimples, everything gets stopped up. So if you use Retin-A Micro and you get that from a dermatologist, what it does is it, it like it gets rid of the old skin layers of skin and then it builds collagen. And collagen is what you want because collagen keeps your face looking plump and youthful and dewy. And what happens is when you get older, collagen stops, you know, uh, collagen just depletes. Is that right? Um, and I eat collagen. I take collagen supplements. I have powder that I put in my yogurt. Um yeah, there you go. That's all I have to say about that. But I'm sure you're gorgeous and don't freak out and always know that uh, you're the youngest you're ever going to be right now, okay? You're 28 years old. That is fantastic. That's that's the age. That's a great age. I mean, being in your 30s is, is also wonderful because of, you have all this experience and you know, you hit this kind of point where I feel like you're in your prime. Women in their 40s are hot too, hot as fuck and it's, you get to this place where it's like mid thirties and then in your forties where it's like, you're, you're looking great, but then you also have like confidence because you've been through all this bullshit and you've like worked through all your demons, hopefully. And like, you know, you have self-worth, you have self-esteem, you're sick of wasting time. 
you're, you're, you know, so it's like this kind of cool pivotal point. So like, don't think 28 is old. It, it will get better. So just but don't freak out because freaking out and being stressed makes you look haggard. All right. Hope that helps. Here is another email. This one says, hey, Lexi, I'd appreciate it if you did not use my name since a lot of my friends listen to your podcast. All right. Noted. I will not. Uh, a little bit of a, uh, over a year ago, I came across your blog from someone I watch on YouTube and it was at a perfect time in my life. I had just gotten out of a five-year relationship that was really abusive and toxic and I was devastated because I felt like I had wasted so much of my own time. Your blog, your Insta stories, your podcast helped me so much. Your words were so encouraging, and I always felt like you were talking directly to me. Currently, I'm in a new relationship that's super healthy and wholesome, and your words still help me so much. The way you talk about how social media can mess with your head by looking at followers, what they're liking, and and not getting texts back resonates so much with me. But after hearing a few episodes about how you deal and dealt with it, I find myself doing the same. I don't pay attention to that stuff and I just focus on how great my boyfriend is and I'm happy. I just want to say thank you so much for helping me out during my lowest time and now my highest time. I'm also always telling my friends to listen to your podcast because it's so great. So thank you for being such an amazing person. Signed, a longtime reader and listener. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Thank you for saying that. I, I'm happy my distress uh, made you feel less alone and I'm also happy that like, me getting to the other side and, and kind of getting over all that uh, turmoil and uh, uh, Instagram stress of like, oh God, like, you know, I'm glad me getting to the other side also made you feel better. And I did write an article, which was basically a journal entry to myself that it was published on uh, ravishly.com. Uh, it's also on my Instagram. If you go to the highlight section, it says, you know, essays or whatever it is, essays for ravishly. Everything I've ever written is on there. You can swipe up and get to it. Uh, and I wrote a, I wrote um, kind of like a checklist as to how to stress less in dating and relationships. It's like a modern, um, you know, a modern guide to like stressing less with all this like technology and all this, you know, all the Instagram and all this stuff. Because at the end of the day, it's just like does your head in and it's so boring. Not that I don't, you know, I'm on Instagram and so is my boyfriend and not that I, you know, don't have a weekday where I'm like, uh, wait, what, uh, what's he, but you know what? It's few and far between. Sometimes I don't even look at his, what he's posting or what he's up to. And it's just so boring. There's too much shit to do. And by the way, if anybody's going to be fucking around on you or being disrespectful, the interesting thing is as, as much information as we have at our fingertips right now to like stock our significant others to like make sure like policing them to make sure they don't fuck with us or hurt our feelings. Um, you don't even have to do that because you'll find out it'll just fall into your lap somehow. It, it'll be so apparent. And you know, we have all the, we have all of it at our fingertips to do the detective work, but um, you don't need to don't even bother doing the detective work. Um, you'll feel it in your gut. You'll know, you'll know. And then you can check. But if you don't feel it in your gut, don't just do it because it's like a habitual thing to like check on your other, your person. And I've never checked somebody's email. I've never checked anybody's text or gone through a boyfriend's phone. And I never want to do that. So I just want to put that out there because I want to make sure that's very clear, like to, uh, to, to see like who's liking your, your, your significant other's photo or who they're following. And maybe like, you know, seeing what they're liking or whatever. That's one thing but to like actually like 
that's all like out in the open. Like they know that the people can see that. Like you could stumble across that stuff just by accident, not even searching for it, just like living your life, being on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. But to like actually do some fucking secret fucking bullshit and cross a boundary and like go into somebody's phone and hack into their life. I mean, that's not cool. Can you imagine? Because then anything you find also you can't even tell them about or else you're a fucking psycho and they're like, yeah, you suck. That's crazy. Why did you do that? And you might read something and find something out of context that you don't quite understand or it's under your business anyway and you can't tell them you found it or you can't anyway. Ugh, it's just a nightmare. Anyway, um, okay, on to another email. This one says, Dear Lexi, I started listening to your podcast in January and haven't stopped since. Listening to your podcast each week is equally as satisfying as eating sweets on a cheat day. I can hear your passion and creativity through your podcast and I always feel inspired after listening to each episode. A little over a year ago at age 19, I left my abusive mother and began my life journey on my own. At the time, I was dating my now fiancé for six months. He bought me a well-running car and helped me find a safe place to stay for cheap. It took many attempts to leave my abusive mother, and each time was harder than the next. One time, my mother got mad at me for wearing an oversized T-shirt that my boyfriend got for me. She forced me to take it off and grabbed it from me. She began to yell and scream as she tried to rip it off, calling me a whore and other unnecessary insults and yelling how she wants to kick me out. My five other siblings weren't home at the time, just me and my mom, and coward of a father. She orders him to leave the house, and he does. She continues to abuse me, so I tell her I want to leave and no longer live there. She grabs my wallet, phone, eyeglasses, and keys. I don't care. I continue to try to leave, and she's grabbing me and throwing me around. I don't know what to do. But she tells me if I leave, she'll call the cops on my boyfriend. She'll make up some reason to get him arrested. I cry and curl up in a ball uh, because I feel helpless. I beg her to let me go. She grabs a knife and holds it to her wrist and threatens to kill herself. That's how it all ended. I caved and I stayed, I stayed that time. I had to leave the abuse that I put up. Uh, I, had to, I had to leave the abuse that I put up with for 19 years. Every morning I would wake up with a list of what my day was going to be. From the moment I woke up to the moment I go to, I go to sleep, it was always planned out by my mother. Every morning she made a list for all of us with chores and projects to do around the house. The list even had the times that we had to be done by. Imagine waking up every day with someone telling you how your day was going to go. I got out and I'm living every day knowing I did the right thing, but just feeling bad for my other siblings who are still living in that house getting abused. My one sister is a beautiful, tall goddess. She's always dreamed of becoming a model, and she has the looks to be one. Every day, my mom tells her that she is disabled mentally and can't do anything on her own, and she believes it, even though it isn't true. She's tried to kill herself multiple times. I try to reach out to her, but my mom continues to monitor and manipulate our relationship because she still has control over her. I can't talk to my sibling because she makes their lives worse if I do. I also can't tell if it's my mom or my siblings messaging me back on their phone because I know she monitors their texts and calls. Me and my fiancé are planning on moving to the West Coast in a few months, and I'm super excited and happy to leave my past behind me. I also can't wait to start this journey with the love of my life. I know I'm doing the right thing by getting away from the abuse, but I feel so guilty that my other siblings are still getting abused every day and might not ever be able to live the life, the lives that they were meant to live because they are living the life that my mom is making them live. I have no family left, just me and my fiancé. My mom has manipulated anyone who's ever been in my life 
to thinking I'm this horrible person. It's not even worth my time to try and defend myself from a girl looking for a big sister. Oh my God, beautiful girl. Thank you for this letter. Um, first of all, I'm so proud of you for getting out of there. And I'm so sorry you have to go through this. Um, and I know your heart aches for your siblings because you feel responsible and you feel guilt and you feel like, oh, you want them to be free. I don't even know what to say. I think you just have to worry about yourself. It just seems like, I feel like I've seen movies about this. I mean, my God, what was this? What was this European film I saw about a group of girls who wanted to leave where they came from because they're like being, I don't know. Oh God, I can't, I mean, this is not really helpful right now. It's, it's very late at night and I'm trying to read all these emails, but I think now I hope I'm not giving you horrible advice and not that you're even asking for advice. You're just sharing your story with me, but, uh, I hope your fiance is good to you and you can trust him and he treats you well. And, Sometimes you just have to take care of yourself and look forward and move forward and not, you can't save everybody, you know? And I hope your sister is taking care of herself if she's suicidal and she's talking to someone or are they in school? Like I don't have enough information if, you know, if I could actually be one-on-one with you and talking about all this, I could ask more detailed questions, but I'm just proud of you that you're taking care of yourself and I please be safe and please if, if you know, follow your gut and your intuition if anything feels bizarre or, or you're not comfortable or happy with your fiance and I don't know anything about him but I just want to make sure that you're in safe hands and make sure that you're in school and that you're learning and that you have a job and that you're, you know, taking care of yourself. So even if you don't have a fiance, even if you can't go back to your family, that you're always okay on your own and you you are making your own money and you're able to open up your own bank account and you have an ID and you can, you know, just pay bills. You can live on your own and you can take care of yourself and just, you know, always be independent. And then, uh, you know, it's like people say, like, when you're on an airplane, you got to put the mask over your own face before you can put a mask over your child's face because, you know, you've got to make sure you've got your shit together You've got to take care of yourself before you're fully equipped or before you're able to help anybody else. So so that's all you can do right now is just take care of yourself and I hope you're healthy. And, you know, email me again if you need anything. And I don't have the number for the suicide prevention hotline right now, but I'm sure you could get it in an instant if you could email me and you can always give that to your sister. Hopefully it's not your mother who's who's monitoring those texts. I mean, that's a, another weird, bizarre situation to be in. But you know what? You take care of yourself and you make a list of all the things you want to accomplish in your life, work-wise, love-wise, travel-wise, family-wise, and what kind of person you want to be and the things you want to get accomplished and whatever. And uh, and then, you know, the best revenge, not that you're trying to get revenge, but the best thing you can do for yourself is just become the woman that you want to be healthy and happy and kind and move through life gracefully and be determined and strong and yeah, brave and achieve all these goals and know you can do the things, even the things you think you can't do. I mean, you already got out of this abusive home, this manipulative controlling household. Um, So 
if you're capable of doing that and you are clearly, then you can fucking do anything you put your mind to, to just put you first always. And I'm proud of you. And nice to, nice to kind of meet you over my podcast. And thank you for the email and definitely email me again and let me know you, you heard this. And if you have any other stuff that's going on, um, or updates or information to fill in the blanks with. All right. Um, This next email says, Hello, Alexi, newish listener to your podcast, and I love your content. I find it all extremely relatable, so thank you. Here's a love relationship question for you. My main man and my only serious boyfriend and I have been on and off for seven years, and finally we've moved to different countries, both overseas, so we decided to break up for real. It's been a year, and I've kind of dated, but then he came to visit me a few weeks ago, and ugh, I'm still in love with him, and the feelings are mutual, so I want to make it work but I feel really lonely thousands of miles away. I can't decide what I really want. Should I stay with him long distance, even though we both know how tricky that can be? Or should I move on? How do I decide? I don't want feelings to be hurt, but I don't want to waste my time either. Thanks, lovely. Well, great question. Now, the thing is, I don't have some pertinent, pivotal information from you. How long are both of you going to be living in these other countries? Indefinitely? Why does he live where he lives? Why do you live where you live? What are you guys doing? Is there a plan to end up in the same country at any point? Are you in school? What's going on? You were together on and off for seven years. You've been apart for a year. And then he came and saw you. Um, and you still love each other. Now, I don't have enough information here. Personally, I don't like long distance relationships. I really don't. I've been in them before. I feel... I feel like I'm living in my phone. I'm never quite present because I'm always um, wondering what the other person is doing, who they're hanging out with. I don't feel connected to them. I miss them. You got to coordinate visits. It's expensive. And they, they just, they're miserable for me. I don't like them. But if there's an end goal where you guys want to be boyfriend and girlfriend and be monogamous, if that's what you guys both want for your relationship, and you're going to end up in the same place, if you can stick it out, another year or six months or eight months and work towards a common goal. Great. But you have to communicate and maybe you've got to get on the phone with him and go, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. How are you feeling? What is the goal? What should we do? And if, if no agreement can be reached that, that makes you feel good and positive about the relationship, then you just have to break up. You have to free yourself of this emotional burden because it's a lot. I mean, my God. What, and you have to be clear on what you want for yourself. Love is hard to come by. I do believe connections aren't aren't uh, everywhere and, you know, anywhere all, you know, always happen. I think it's rare. But I also know there are a lot of people in the world and if you get clear on what you want f- for yourself relationship wise and you write that down for yourself and you get really clear on that and you start meeting people where you are and you're present and you aren't always thinking about this other person, your ex, your, you know, and you give the people in front of you a chance, you could end up meeting somebody who's wonderful. You could end up being happier than you were before. You know, I don't know why you were on and off for seven years with this guy either. So I don't have all the information, but that's my opinion on that baby. All right, Um, here is the next email. This one says, long-time listener, first-time writer. I was in a pretty great relationship for all of about a month with a guy that I met a couple years ago on Tinder. 
I initially broke things off in 2016 because he said he was divorced, past tense, and I am such a creep that I looked up the court records and he had actually just recently filed for a separation. I didn't tell him why I broke things off. I just, you know, just that I didn't think we're a good fit. Fast forward to this year. We matched again on Tinder. He's now fully divorced, but since then he's moved back in with his parents and started dialysis. All fine with me. In fact, I found it endearing because before I found him, intimidating because he's some fancy executive director lawyer guy. Things were great. We hung out as much as possible with his demanding schedule and had really great chemistry. However, one of his anecdotes about a bad day made me realize he might have a bit of an anger problem. He argued with a guest services person at a stadium so aggressively that they threatened to have him arrested. Eek! Later on, he's in the middle of this very stressful trial that could impact the funding for his commission, and we met up for brunch, and he was in a very gruff mood, just very terse and unfriendly. I softly said, hey, you're being kind of a jerk to me, and he barked back, well, if you don't like it, you can fucking leave. I paused all of about 3.5 seconds before getting up and leaving without saying another word, and when I got home, I texted him a warning that I won't tolerate being spoken to like that, and he just responded, leave me alone. I said some snarky thing back, like, that's a funny way to apologize. If that's the kind of person you are, then maybe we should cut things off now. He stopped responding. Then I noticed he blocked me on all social media. It's been radio silence ever since, a little over a month. Alexi, my head is still spinning. If he had apologized, I would probably have gone along my merry way dating this difficult person. And, and frankly, I'm very sad that I've been permabanned. I know I should probably count my blessings when someone that hateful does me the favor of ending things. But to be fair, he's in a very rough patch. He's 42. He's on the transplant list. He has this very stressful and uncomfortable medical treatment 12 hours per week. He's living with his aging parents and he has a job that's incredibly stressful in its own right. I'm not sure what my question is. I guess, what do you think I should do moving forward? What if we match again on Tinder in two years? Also, I know I was a bit flippant too. Any ideas on how not to repeat the same mistakes? Signed, Anonymous Girl. Okay, Anonymous Girl, here's the deal. Run, don't walk. Stay away from this guy. This is horrible. I'm worried about your self-worth. This is no good. He seems to be in a lot of darkness right now. There's a lot of medical stuff happening with him. He's living with his parents. He's on dialysis. He's on a wait list for a transplant. Jesus Christ, he's 42. He's got a lot of shit going on in his life, and he sounds like a bit of a dick anyway. And the fact that you were um, intimidated by him before, I mean, you're a bit intimidated by him, but then now he's like more of like a victim or something. Not a victim, but he's like kind of less intimidating because he's, He's in a kind of a helpless situation where he's going through all this shit. Uh, that's odd that that makes him more uh, enticing for you. I'm not that you actually said that, but that's the vibe I get. The deal is this. He spoke to you a certain way. You didn't like it. You left. All right. You gave him an ultimatum. Essentially, you were like, you don't want to be treated that way. And look how he responded to that. Blocked you on social media. Hasn't reached out. We're done here. Done. Look at his actions. He's not doing nothing. He doesn't want to be with you. Or maybe he, it doesn't matter. It's not happening. It's over. Don't match with him again in two years. Uh, swipe left for good every time you see him. Um, you know, existentially, uh, you know, whatever. Metaphorically, whatever. Like swipe left all the way a thousand percent with this guy. Not your guy. And you need to work on 
your self-worth and your self-esteem and not putting up with this bullshit and not agonizing over some dude who treated you like shit. It just seems like a tr- uh, toxic and lots of turmoil. And it's just like, I read this and I'm like, gross. This guy grosses me out. No thanks. And it makes me feel sad that, uh, that you're consumed by it. But I get it. When we fall in love and we're addicted to somebody and like we're so used to being with somebody all the time and like they're such a part of our life, it's like our arm gets chopped off when we, when we have a breakup and when things end and when you're not expecting it when you, and when you want somebody to, ch- to chase you and... And when they don't meet your expectations and behave the way you want them to behave, it's the worst feeling in the world. You know, I go through that too. I have a certain way I want to be treated and what I want a man to say to me and how I want him to interact with me. And and it doesn't always happen and it annoys me and it makes me feel sad and lonely and disconnected and all this stuff. But people aren't puppets and you can't tell them what to do. And, you know, maybe you can sometimes and you can communicate like what your love language is and what you need somebody to be like with you. Um you know, and you guys can kind of help each other out with communication to like make things uh, more clear and loving and cozy and just like, but uh, you guys are in a different place. It's, he, 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 he's not going to act the way you want him to act because he's so far from the way you want him to be. It's not going to happen. So just stay so busy, stay busy, do a million other things, just d- try your hardest to not pay attention to this guy or even fixate or think about him. If you can, write, take Epsom salt baths, masturbate, write a list of what you want in your perfect next relationship of like the ideal partner. Write a list of all the things you bring to the table and why you're wonderful to remember but, you know, what your self-worth. Do freeandnative.com workshops on partnership. Figure out what you want for your life and your career. Hang out with your friends and family. Go to the park. Go on a run. Go on a long walk. Uh, learn how to cook. Just focus on you and listen to podcasts and learn stuff and watch movies and go to the mall and go dancing and have a drink with your friends or don't. Just get involved in your own life and stop thinking about this guy if you can. And I wish you well. I wish you well. Um, Here's another email. Oh my goodness. Five more emails left, you guys. I can't believe this. Um... It is so late. I had a, like a glass of wine and then now I'm like super caffeinated on like some, uh, my La Colombe or however you pronounce the name of the coffee that I'm obsessed with that you can buy, uh, individual cans of at Trader Joe's. Anyway, so I went from having one glass of wine over ice, rosé over ice that I also purchased at Trader Joe's. And now I'm like hyper caffeinated on espresso. It's late at night. I'm reading these emails in my bed. So if, if, if I go from sounding like very awake to super sleepy, it's just because, um, that's exactly how I feel. Uh, we're on an emotional, energetic roller coaster tonight, and uh, I'm glad we're all experiencing this together. I can't wait to uh, hear your response to this episode of the podcast. Um, all right. Okay. So this one says, hi, Alexi. Thank you for opening your heart to, to your listeners. Let's jump right in. I'm a 33-year-old woman from LA who is petite. I'm 5'3 and naturally thin. I've always been healthy and never really thought much about my body until I became a teenager. My parents would tell me I looked and felt gross because of my bones, and they joked about my thinness all the time. I've heard, quote, you should eat more, end quote, or, ew, you're so skinny. A million times I've heard this from strangers who would look at my body with disgust. I know I look thin, and, you know, I'm sure I'm a bit bony, but I don't look ill. I also eat a lot. I've asked my naturopathic, naturopathic, 
you know what I'm talking about, doctor, if I'm too thin? And she said, no, that I'm small, uh, but I'm healthy. I've even had her check my thyroid, which regulates metabolism. (laughs) My God, I cannot read tonight, which regulates metabolism. And I'm fine. It's been a journey to accept my natural body. Most of the time I, I can accept it. But when people bring up my size, it becomes a challenge all over again. Some days I can't bring myself to wear what I want, like a tighter shirt or a bikini because I don't want people grossed out. Sad face emoji. So Alexi, we seem to have a similar body type. Have you ever had this reaction from people before? Uh, How do you navigate it? How do I not let people's negative opinions of my body make me want to cover up and hide? I don't want any woman to feel like her body is gross because other people say it is. Even me. Love, Grace. I said her name. Um... Here's a deal. First of all, oh my God, I can't believe uh, you're 5'3 and very thin and people tell you how thin you are and are kind of insulting. Uh, I'm 5'11 and I'm the thinnest I've ever been right now. And the fact that you're telling me that you and I have similar body types makes me go like, because I freak. Uh, my response is going to be, uh, it's funny. It's like, because I always have like body dysmorphia where I'm like, oh, I'm so big. But uh you know, I guess lately I have realized I am very thin uh, as of late. So I, I, I get what you're saying. Nobody's told me I'm gross looking, but hey, wait a minute. How dare you? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I'm sure you're, you're lovely and, and these people are assholes. Like these people are probably like weird, jealous assholes or they have no tact and they're like, I don't, I don't get it. It's so weird when people decide to comment on a woman's body or anybody's body. Like it's like they're allowed to do that. It's so weird because like our bodies are so personal, but they're in the world. Like we, you know, we walk around the world. We're in real life. It's just like we're living in these like spacesuits that are our, our bodies. And it's like they're, they're sacred and they belong to us. And for somebody to comment on what they look like or what they do, it's like, fuck you. Mind your own business. Like, how dare you? It's so fucking rude. Um, now, Nobody has commented on my body saying I'm too thin. <laughs> I wish they would. That's rude. And why isn't anybody paying attention to me? No, um, that was a joke, but not funny. But okay. Um, I don't know why I've lost a lot of weight recently. Actually, I do. I've been so stressed. Going back to like my hair graying uh, two months ago, I have really stressed myself out. Like I can't stress that enough. Um, I, I... I honestly don't know when all began, you guys, but like seriously, in the last five months, I mean, like six months ago, I think when I had like Charlie McDowell on my podcast, whenever that was, I came home and I weighed myself and I was about like 25 pounds heavier than I am now. And I liked what I looked like then. And I weighed myself and I put it on my Insta stories because I was like, wow, isn't it crazy as a woman? Like, you know, my body fluctuates, my weight fluctuates so much. Like this is the most I've ever weighed in my life, blah, blah, blah. And I put that on my Insta stories and I was kind of shy to do that, but I did that. And then all these girls were like, it's so cool you did that. So I was like, okay, cool. Cool that I did that. Um, And it has been shocking to me that I've lost this weight and I'm eating a ton. Actually, that's not true. I've been so stressed. I don't eat that much because I don't have as much of an appetite, but then some days I totally do, but I'm only able to really like eat things that taste super good to me. Does that make sense? Like sometimes you don't have an appetite, but if you're going to eat something because you have to, you want it to taste really good. You don't want it to be some boring bullshit. So like that's kind of where I've been at lately. And honestly, I think, I mean, the weight loss started in the past five months and has gotten like more intense and 
and I would like to gain weight back and I'm trying to, and I wanted to go to my boobs and my butt, please. Um, even though I'm trying to enjoy the weight loss because I can fit into my skinny jeans. So I'm trying not to beat myself up about, you know, it's just, again, it comes down to like being gentle with yourself and kind to yourself and not, you know, just, just being gentle with yourself. But, um, I mean, all I can really say to your email is, uh, I have not had this reaction from people before. I do sometimes have girls be like, oh my God, like, you know, I guess I have and I tune it out or I like take it as a compliment or something like as if I'm like in the nineties, like, you know, and I want to look like some kind of androgynous, um, nineties uh, supermodel who's starving to death or a heroin addict or heroin addict or something. Cause that's kind of like what I was raised to like want to look like. Cause I was born in 1981 and that's when I was 15, 16, I was like idealizing all these like supermodels. So I make a joke now if my friend goes, God, you look, you look so skinny. You look unhealthy. I'm like, thank you. But it's a joke. It's like, I'm being ironic. It's just a fucking joke. Um, I do want a butt. I do want my boobs to be more plush. Um, and I just think it's rude for people to comment on on your body. I'm sorry you have to go through that. It's such bullshit. That's more about those people than you. That's about those people like feeling weird about their body or thinking or just having no boundaries. And they might, maybe they're on the spectrum and they think it's okay to just fucking, you know, like put, it's just, it's just disgusting. So, you know, don't try not to take it so seriously. You are healthy. You've talked to doctors about it. You know, and your own, you know what? And it can also, by the way, it can't be easy having your mom and your parents talk negative, negatively about your body. And you know what? You're allowed to say to them, hey, uh, that hurts my feelings and I don't like you talking about my body like that. I talked to my doctor. I'm completely healthy. This is my body. And you saying that doesn't make me feel good. It feels like you're attacking me. So can you please just like mind your own business? You know, it just, I would say that just stick up for yourself. You're 33 years old and your parents seem like they're dicks. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm irritated by your parents. I'm like upset. I feel like I'm your big sister now. And I'm like, fuck those jerks. Go, they can go fuck themselves. I don't care if they're your parents. Um, and wear a bikini, do what you feel. You wear whatever the fuck you want to wear. Just you, you thrive. You just like own it. You, I, you know, I have friends who are like, uh, like, they are all different shapes and sizes. They are super, super duper skinny. They're super like, these are like big girls and big, beautiful women. And like, I have girlfriends who are like in wheelchairs and they're missing legs. And they're like, you know, I guess they would say they're overweight. I don't, I don't, they're just fucking badass babes and they love their body and they wear whatever the fuck they want to wear. And they, they, you know, they, they enter a room and they command people's attention and respect. And they're just so, because they, they have like, the, you can like feel their like self-love, like emanating from, from their inside. It's just like, so just easier said than done. Everybody can go fuck themselves. You don't have to be angry at them, but I'm just being dramatic right now. Um, just ignore them. It's about them. Don't listen to what these people say. Just eat healthy. You know, as long as you are healthy and you're taking care of yourself and you're paying attention and like, you know, that's why I have to meditate to try to like not stress out so much and just be like, you know, I'm, I took like CBD oil. I started taking that because I was just like, oh, I have to stop because I like live so intensely in my head 
and I drink so much coffee and then I get like very, I'm very sensitive and I get rattled by every little thing and I'll be like, oh my God, is everything okay? Oh my goodness, am I being disrespected? Does this person care about me? Is it not like it used to be? Like the relationship stuff for me was very difficult. I'll go back to that. It's very difficult for me to like, again, trust. It's hard for me to trust and I want to. And so I was losing weight because I was just so stressed out um, accepting a relationship and, and like not questioning it and like not like freaking out and kind of like internally screaming, being like, ah, oh my God, when's the other shoe going to drop? Like, that's why I was so stressed out, you know? And now what I'm really trying to like ease into, as I said before, is like making friends with calm, trusting, just trusting, letting it be good, learning how to just, like, it's funny, it's been five and a half months in this relationship and, you know, he had to go out of town for like three and a half weeks uh, the other day and he just got back and, and in a way that for me, that was like a blessing, not, not the reason he had to leave or whatever, but like, or that he was gone. But, but the fact that he had to go, um, I just tried to go kind of like, I tried to use that time to like, remember who I am, calm myself, learn how to be by myself, even though, you know, I don't even know if any of this is making sense, but like. I used the fact that we were going to be apart apart for a big chunk of time, nearly a month, as an opportunity to like recalibrate, center myself, figure out what I want, come home to myself, um, take my power back in a way where it's like I was giving up so much of my power, like worrying about this relationship. I was giving up so much of my like energy to like, wanting to control it or just micromanage and just be like, are we okay? Are we okay? Oh my God. Like it was good before. Is it still as good as it was? Oh my God. Do you like me? Is the other shoe going to drop? Yakety smack all this shit. And it was like, that's not who I am, but I was acting that way and it's not how I want to be. And in a way it was kind of like a sabotage thing. It was like a, it was like a wounded child, like hysteria kind of coming up because yeah. And so I got, I took a beat to, um, yeah, calm my nerves and, and kind of like take my power back and be like, oh, like I'm, I'm actually not the chooser, but I'm like, don't forget, this is about me deciding if I want to be with someone, I'm getting to know this person, I have my power, I'm in charge of my power, and, um, and really, ultimately, like, it should be fun. And what are you really looking for with another person? You want to be with them. You want you just, like, the, the goal is to be with another person and just be and be happy and hold hands and kiss and talk and, and, and leave, like, insecurities and needs for reassurance and, and uh, control and all this stuff. Like, that's not that's so boring. It's so exhausting. It's really not necessary. And it's not the goal. And it's like really at the, the, you know, anyway, long story longer, uh, going to back to weight loss and being healthy and all this stuff and whatever. Now, as my stress subsides, I hope to put on weight and be healthy again. Because the only reason I lost so much weight was because I was so internally frazzled. And the goal is for me to get rid of that frazzled feeling and uh I'm on my way 
So anyway, um, yeah, I hope any of that helps. I'm going to read another email. We're plowing through these emails. It's only been 17 hours since we started this podcast. This one says, Alexi, I just read your two recent pieces on dating and Instagram and, and the anxiety it creates that you wrote for Ravishly. At one point in the first part of the series, you make a point to let men know that all women they've dated have looked through their profiles and searched out their exes' profiles, etc. What struck me when reading that is that I'm a man and I've done those things as well. I felt the same burning in the pit of my stomach. And so I don't know what that means for me except that maybe I'm not a traditional man and uh, so maybe me behaving in a way that you attribute to women is part of my lack of traditional male behavior, or maybe the behavior is universal. I essentially felt you were describing my own experience, but in my case, it was a woman I was worrying over, and it too drove her away. Thank you for having the courage to share your experience and for helping others feel less alone and having gone through it. I learned a lot during my own stomach-churning forays into the whirling pit of profile digging, and I just hope I can carry the lessons forward. Signed, Lou. Lou, I love you, and here's why. Thank you for the reminder to me and everybody that it's not just something women do, that it's a modern-day problem. And I have a lot of male friends, actually, who when they are falling in love or dating someone and just, uh, you know, nervous and unsure and feel out of control, um, they go through people's profiles because all this information is at our fingertips. It's a real thing. Yes. Let's, you know, lift the veil. Let's not feel shame about it, but also, you know, men or women don't feel shame about this behavior. You're not alone. This is like a modern day problem. It's a new modern day thing that we, that we all do. And, uh, and maybe we don't all do it, but if you do do it, then the new goal is to stop doing it and to come home to yourself again, get your power back, uh, get grounded in yourself, divert your attention and just trust. You just have to trust because it all comes down to trust, but I won't be mad at you if you end up searching uh, who they're, you know, who they're liking on Instagram or, uh, or whatever, or who they're following because yes, it's a, it's a hard habit to break. So it's a, you know, one day at a time. All right. Anyway, another email says, Hey there, Alexi. I first heard you on the podcast of our dearly beloved Duncan Sweet Child Trussell, and I loved your personality. I wanted to share with you my perspective of my own reality from me questioning everything, personal experiences and teachings of enlightened beings. I personally believe that we are all gods and goddesses experiencing life through an infinite number of perspectives. We are all connected as one being. People way smarter than myself have separated two particles with miles in between them, and whatever they did to one particle, the other particle also reacted. This proposes that even though they are separated, they are still infinitely connected. I think it is called quantum entanglement. Everything at the atomic level is limitless potential energy, which is a frequency, which is a sound, and that sound resonates through all life and the cosmos. You are perfectly imperfect. Since we are this complex universe, everything is happening inside all of us. There is no separation, no outside. As Duncan Trussell has come to realize, life is suffering. We learn, grow, evolve, bloom, and flourish in the moments of vulnerability, pain, and discomfort. I just want you to know that you are beautiful. And when you realize everything is also you, all becomes beautiful as well. And from one of the greatest philosophers, Socrates, true knowledge exists in knowing that you know nothing. I'm going to repeat that. 
True knowledge exists in knowing that you know nothing. This led me to understand that I can learn anything from anyone and any moment while also teaching myself anything. Thank you for your time. It is the only thing you cannot get back. If you would like to follow me and my family on our journey, my personal Instagram account is Chase Lacey. My girlfriend Michelle's account is Sunny Skis. Um, I hope I pronounced that correctly. And my educational business account is Hemp is God. Your wealth is measured by how much you give. Thank you. Signed, Chase Lacey. Well, that is beautiful. And I really do, I, I appreciate this email. This is very existential and it's my favorite. That's, that's my favorite kind of email. I, they're all my favorite emails. Feelings, insecurities, spirals, existentialism. I love it. Love it. Anyway, Socrates. Socrates said, true knowledge exists in knowing that you know nothing. I love that. That is so fucking true. Uh, next email says, so I think people would describe me as a romantic type. I like to write letters with my feelings. And twice now, I've actually hit send. Well, I told a high school crush I liked her, but that doesn't count because it was more of a I should have said something back then kind of letter. Oh, I just turned 25, and I live in the valley of mid-California, about an hour from the Bay Area. So you get an idea of what sort of environment I live in. I'm Mexican, about five foot six, so I am discriminated against by taller girls as not being boyfriend material. When I was 18, I went to one semester of college. In my English class, there was a bunch of cute girls, but a year later, I was only Facebook friends with one of them. I only recall us ever having a real conversation one time where we walked from the classroom to sort to sort out uh, where the dorms are. Even the guy who I had friended, who sold me weed, unfriended me on Facebook. When I was almost 19, I moved back in with my parents to a town that was basically a gas station. When I was 22, I saw a Facebook post by that girl, and she had changed her status to engaged. So I wrote a somewhat short message of me saying, I thought she was cool, but was too shy to ask her out for coffee. Also, to not rush into marriage, because that's a big commitment. And it takes a while to really get to know someone. Not long after she responded uh, to my Facebook message by saying, she's not engaged. We should go for coffee. Unfortunately, I'm about 800 miles away and still in debt from the one semester of university life. It was really expensive because I made the genius decision to live on campus. Okay, it was $9,000, but I was irresponsible. I was an irresponsible, testosterone-pumped-up man-child who spent money on weed, concert tickets, and stuff. So we chatted a little, but it ended with me asking if she wanted to exchange letters like in the old days before the internet. Oh my God, I love that. That's so cute. I love that. Anyway, she replied saying she has stamps, but didn't respond when I suggested FaceTime and threw in my phone number. Then she didn't respond. Uh, so I wrote a long happy birthday paragraph. After about a year with no response, I wrote another even longer letter thinking it would be the end. A few months later, she responded saying she had barely seen my messages. For over a year. How does that happen? She also said she was speechless, so she didn't have much to say. I did not really like what I had written after not having seen it for a few months. So, of course, I had to follow it up with an even longer and more vulnerable letter. I told my friend I don't like to play games with people. Being honest feels better. Then he said, that's my game I play. Thinking about it now, I agree with him in a way since I was honest with what I said, but there's no way I could tell her everything about myself and what I've done. I haven't seen her since 2011, 
but I've seen her online posts and I feel like what you share online is a lot about who you are and how you want to be perceived. Over the years, I've tried dating sites, apps, and adding some of these girls on social media. So many Instagram profiles of people I thought I might want to date and eventually I just lost interest in 95% of them always because of what they post about and how often it's posted really shows what is important to them. This girl I like hardly posts on Facebook. And when she does, it's stuff that is not bullshit. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's, it's relevant to animals. Sometimes it's poetic. But every time it makes me want to finally have this coffee date. I mean, if she's even interested anymore. Oh, also on her birthday this year, I drew a picture of her face from her Instagram and I sent it to her. She said she had never been drawn before, so she was flattered. I'm working on volume three of the next letter I want to send since I ended the last one in a way that requires a continuation. I don't know if I believe in soulmates, but I do believe that we are compatible. Although maybe because I don't personally know her, my imagination is filling in the gaps, making her to be a better person than she is. I want to tell her all the things, all the things, but I'm also terrified I'll say too much and scare her. So I've actually never heard your podcast before, but I've been following you on Instagram since I heard you on the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. I'm actually listening to one right now. I don't listen to every episode in order, uh, so I was confused when he says that you guys were in a relationship, and then later he says he got married. Then I listened to another one from before your episode, and he's ranting about a breakup from a four-year relationship. So I was like, was Alexi his rebound girl? Kind of messed up, dude. But I don't know all the details, and really it's not my business. So I felt like I had to throw this in for some reason. If I had more time, I'd go into more details and rants, but having this deadline to send it in made me get off my ass and get it done. Definitely will be listening to more of your podcast and watching your Instagram stories. Signed, um, can I say your name? Anonymous Man. You know who you are. Uh, initial K. Um Thank you so much for that email. Um, you pretty much got the Duncan Trussell situation uh, correct. We dated for a little bit. All good. That's over. Anyway, moving forward. Um, thank you for listening to that episode of his podcast with me on it. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. And it's, it's amazing. We are all connected. I love it. Um, I don't know. Right back to this girl. I don't even think you're really asking me for advice, but like, seems like you have a lot of deep thoughts and feelings and you are a very romantic person and you live in your head and you're trying to connect with this woman. And you know what? My gut says, send her another letter. I don't know. Just don't stop what you're doing. I, I, something about you. I just like you. I think you're great. I think, I think you're very passionate. Um, yeah, I don't know. And if she doesn't write back, leave it. Send your last letter and then leave it. Don't keep pressing though because that does get bizarre. All right? But if you have one more, you know, email to send to finish that continuation, you know, the email prior, you got to do what you got to do and then see if she comes towards you. Good luck. Good luck. Um, here's another email. It says, Hey, I'm Hugo. I'm 29. I'm from Mexico and I'm a musician. I don't know you in person, but I truly think you're a wonderful human being. This email is more like a quick question. Have you ever tried psychedelics and can you share something about your experience? Well, Hugo, thank you for the email. And yes, I have tried psychedelics. I've done mushrooms once. I've done DMT twice. Um, I think that's about it. I did some other drugs with Hamilton Morris, but I don't know if they're psychedelics. Uh, 2CB, which Kanye mentions in his uh, latest album, but I don't really know what 2CB did. I, I didn't really feel anything. Um, 
But yeah, mushrooms were good. They did make me feel like I was going to vomit. I did not vomit. I just felt like a burning in the core of my, you know, I think my third chakra or what have you. And uh, it felt like just poison because it was um, mushrooms. I did I did them alone on New Year's Eve. Not this, not New Year's Eve, this past New Year's Eve, but the one before that. And uh, I don't really feel the need to do them again. In fact, I had mushrooms left over in my freezer and I, and I got rid of them. Um, other than that, DMT, doing them twice. DMT was fun. I did DMT with uh, Hamilton for the first time. And then I did DMT for the second time with Duncan. And uh, I tried a DMT vape pen. And I don't think I, w- I would do these things anymore because I feel like part of me was just doing them because I was in a, I was in a weird mood. I was like searching. Not that I'm never not searching or I'll, or I'll ever stop. But right now in, at this point in my life, I've, I've been going through a major like, you know, uh, personal internal search uh, via books and workshops and hypnotherapy and thinking and kind of trying to get a wrangle on my brain and what I put, put my attention on um, and just trying to do that sober and occasionally having a glass of rosé, uh, you know, with friends uh, on my own time um, when I'm not trying to search into my soul. And I don't feel the need to use psychedelics anymore. But during this time, maybe in like 2016 and 2017, I was experimenting with drugs because, yeah, I hadn't I hadn't tried them before. So I that's when I decided to try them. Um, I don't like weed. And I'm not dating a person who does drugs. So I don't feel the need to like impress them, which I think is another factor where I was like, oh, I'm going to have a romance and I'm going to try these drugs during this, this romance and we're going to really bond. So I'm not like, you know, I barely, I barely want to drink right now. Like I was drinking a little bit, like I was drinking not a lot, but like, you know, I went on holiday a few months ago and I was like drinking and it was fun. And like, but even that was like, okay, cool it. So I didn't drink for about like a month recently. And now I'm like having an occasional drink here and there, but that feels like indulgent enough. So I did like psychedelics because especially the mushrooms, because the mushroom experience that I had made me feel like I got very intense clarity very quickly and I cried a lot and I laughed a lot and it kind of made me zoom out and realize like, oh, not everything's so serious. Like things and people have no power over me and and people aren't dangerous and I don't have to think that they're as dangerous as I make them out to be. You know, I think I was like thinking about my father and, you know, uh, his negativity and, and, or like people I was dating, uh, you know, and I was just like, oh, they're not dangerous. Everybody is like, everybody's okay. So it just made me zoom out and get clarity on stuff and, and feel less afraid and more empowered and just made me just realize like, oh, we're all connected. And just, it was like kind of a loving, beautiful thing that made me feel calm. And like I had a a major sense of perspective on life and, and that, you know, we are all just going to die and we're here to learn lessons and to have an experience and living on the earth and being here in this body and, and experiencing life and what it's like to be a human being and, and have your soul enter a body like it, this, it, it just makes you feel like 
it's not meant to be easy. Like we're feeling all these feelings, like you're dealing with karma. You know, I, these are all the profound things I experienced while on psychedelics where it's like, but I already, I had already kind of tapped into that before where I've seen movies about these things and like even, God, what's the name of that movie? I love it so much. Oh God. Oh God. Um, Wings of Desire. Watch the original Wings of Desire. It's black and white. Um, it's by like, I don't even, I can't remember. Just look it up. The original Wings of Desire. And, it's like basically the message is like we're souls in that movie. Like there are angels looking down on, on human beings and nobody can see these angels walking amongst the humans. And, and the angels are kind of like watching the humans have these human experiences. And, and, uh, and then one of the angels decides to, you know, spoiler alert, decides to jump down on earth and, and be human because he wants to know, you know, it's because of love. He wants to fall in love with this girl. He wants to, he wants her to be able to see him and he wants to have the experience of that with her and, and, you know, anyway, and not just witness it from afar and not be able to participate. But, uh, so that's what I kind of subscribe to. And that's what I like tapped into during these psychedelic experiences where it's like, there's just so much more than meets the eye. There's so much more going on, you know, Again, going back to that quote from the other person, the Socrates quote uh, that the person sent in an email before about how like, you know, true knowledge is like knowing that you don't know anything. It's like, I have no idea what else is out there to say. Like I was having a conversation about this with somebody the other day about like ghosts and energy and whatever. And and they were like, well, I don't believe in ghosts. And I was like, okay, that's cool. But like, uh, how do you know? Like, we don't know. I'm more open into like, to thinking like, there's so much we can't see, you know, we can't see electricity. I mean, like we can't see, there's just, who knows what's, what's, what's happening. So, uh, the psychedelic experiences were just like kind of illuminating because it kind of opens your eyes to be able to see things that, and uh, being on DMT as well, seeing things that you can't see when you're just living your like conscious, waking, sober existence is this getting too crazy right now what I'm talking about? But, uh, and that was kind of, but it was refreshing. It was such a nice thing because it makes everything less serious and it makes everything more like, um, it makes everything less serious and more serious. It's like, okay, so we're like, we're having this lifetime and like, we are all just going to die and, and then we're going to shed this, the skin and then our souls leave our body and the energy leaves our body. But it's like, then we'll go into something else later and who knows what, a tree, a cat, a, another but I don't know and is all time happening all at the same time it's like you know there's this book called the holographic universe where it talks about how like everything is happening all at once like um and that time isn't linear and yeah so psychedelics just open you up to it they kind of crack your brain open and make you um see things in a different way and give you more perspective and and that's a wonderful thing because that way you're no you're not so locked in and and rigid in your thinking and and it's better not to be so rigid, you know, because there's so much to learn and, and who knows? Cause we don't know anything. We don't who knows what there is to that. We don't know, you know, anyway. Um, I think that's my last email. Actually, that is my last email. This might be my last meal. Okay. I'll, I'll read this one. I don't even think this is a question, but this one says, hi, Alexi. I just listened to the Pat Allen intro of your Pat Allen podcast. And I wanted to celebrate this shift in mindset that you were in. You sound so powerful and knowing that you were done with all the 
with all of the fear and expectations in your new relationship. The journey of growth that you have gone through since December has been incredible to witness and I can actively hear you changing. Your verbal outpour of mind chatter has mirrored so much of my own experiences in experimenting with different healing modalities. I'm writing to you because I think I may be able to help you take another step in your journey right now. In January, I began a year-long intensive program to become a sex, love, and relationship coach with a basis in Tantra or Tantra. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I have been studying under Layla Martin and have learned so many incredible tools to help move stuck beliefs, behavioral patterns, and the resistances that are blocking you from achieving your desires. And it has helped me so much in my relationship. I literally just shed a layer of codependency in May. It felt so weird and wrong. And I grieved over the loss of the romanticism that I somehow equated with that, with that, I need you or I'll crumble kind of love. But there was so much power in this new version of me. I had more motivation and focus to continue bettering myself and my work because my fear of losing him was no longer tied to my childhood fear of death or fear of not being lovable. I am shocked and so beyond grateful that it is possible to get to move past those thoughts and feel confident confident in self and in the relationship. We have been together for two and a half years and we are the happiest we've ever been with so much full trust, communication, understanding, and yummy, ravaging, passionate sex. When I heard the intro to your Pat Allen episode, I heard a place in you that I was sitting at a couple of months ago and felt a strong desire to hug you and share what I've learned. So that's what I'd like to offer. As part of my training, I need to practice my skills and guide of guiding clients through breath work, embodiment practices, meditation, and visualization exercises, as well as talk coaching. I would like to do that with you in two free sessions to explore the depths of yourself. It is such beautiful work and is really practical in helping you come back into your original essence. The you before the childhood traumas, societal conditioning, and all the other bullshit that has built us into this way. If you're interested or have any questions, please let me know. I live in Santa Barbara and I do my sessions online through Zoom. Thank you for being incredible and bubbly and vulnerable and inspiring. Grateful for all the gifts you bring into this world. Signed, Jackie. Jackie, you're incredible. Uh, I actually am, you know, I, I, I did write back to you and I've got to write back to you again and I, I will schedule two sessions with you. Why not? I've been a little bit busy and I wanted to take a break from all this self-help work. And, and, you know, I did go to the Neil Strauss seminar, three-day seminar the other day, and I have been doing all this work and I, I just needed to take a break. But if I can schedule two sessions with you, and I also go to um, an energy healer, Maxine Dillon, who was a guest on this podcast. So go back and check out that episode. But uh, yeah, I'll reach out to you again and I will schedule an appointment and... Um, and we'll do two sessions, but uh, give me a beat. Give me a beat to, to be ready to do that. But I am. I, it sounds good to me. It sounds like a beautiful thing. And thank you so much for reaching out. And also, um, I don't know exactly what moment you're talking about where you wanted to hug me, but maybe, I don't know if it was last week's intro, but I I definitely do remember saying that there's something going on with me right now where, where it's like bittersweet, where I'm mourning the death of of the way I think a relationship is supposed to be because, uh, and it's like an internal battle I struggle with from time to time more often than not, because, um, I'm not, as I said, I said it before, I'll say it again. I'm not used to calm. I'm not used to just trusting a person. Actually, I actually am. I'm actually really good at trusting people, 
but I'm not used to um, a sustainable calmness and like kind of like um, a relationship that's more like uh, just even keel. Um, you know, so I'm kind of, again, I'm, I'm, I'm mourning the death of, of thinking that codependent, intense, passionate, um, burn bright, burnout relationships, uh, are the way it's supposed to be. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mourning the death of, of the idea that that's the way it's supposed to be because it can't possibly work anymore for me because it's too exhausting. It's too consuming. And, um, they're not sustainable, these relationships, but I romanticize them so intensely. But at the same time, I find myself being consumed by being in any relationship and just dating in general. It's how I operate where I like lose myself to like the examination of, of the relationship I'm in and, and wondering like, is it good? Could it be better? Is it the way it's supposed to be? Is it, am I being disrespected? Am I, are they up to something shady? Is something better out there for me? Is this the right fit for me? So, you know, either way, I, I usually find myself making myself consumed by a relationship, whether it's like a healthy relationship, a, a, relationship, a relationship that could actually work, but then I, you know, make it too overwhelming for me and I just, I can't do it or whatever. So I'm just trying to, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a new territory. Thank you for noticing. Jackie. Um, but at the same time, I do have to say, oh, I want to say this. I was at, when I was at this party the other day, uh, where I, you know, to, to, uh, you know, come full circle when I was at that party where I, where I ended up leaving the party with a group of my girlfriends and we're in the car and, and tipsy and we're talking about Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson's, you know, relationship, which seems very much codependent, but awesome and fun. Um, I was at this party talking to Casey Jane Allison, an amazing comedian who I adore. She's also been on this podcast. Um, it was I was having a conversation with a bunch of wonderful girls, one of which was uh, Patty Harrison, a.k.a. Party Harderson. She's on Instagram. She's so funny. I'm dying to have her on, on this show. Um, and we were all talking about relationships. And I said to Casey, I just had this kind of epiphany where, because I've been thinking this to myself, I have this whole long list of things I want to make, goals I want to achieve, things I want to do, and, you know, I just have all these things I want to do with my life, things I want to make, blah, 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 yakety schmackety. Um, but sometimes I wonder if my sole purpose for this lifetime is, is simply to, like, learn how to love and be loved because sometimes it feels that way for me. Sometimes the struggle in which sometimes my struggle with love and dating and relationships and really surrendering and like, cause I may have been in a million relationships and none of them may have been what love is, but maybe they're my idea of like passion and like creating chaos or like losing myself and hiding in a relationship and in turmoil and in drama or, or in, um, obsession or, um, sex and drama and just like fun and hijinks or whatever. Maybe 
you know, I, I hid, I hid in all of that to like keep from reaching my full potential and, and maybe that was not healthy and maybe that was all just a distraction and all just like, you know, maybe I've not even ever experienced like a love where it's like two people are like interdependent, like two fully realized people who like come together and it's like healthy and there isn't fighting and you can just trust and, but there's still passion because yeah, anyway, so because so, so much of my life has been dedicated to like writing my blog posts about or writing magazine articles. And even to this day, like, you know, talking about this shit on my podcast and interviewing people about love and romance and feelings and desire and all this stuff. And it's like, that just seems like I've been so compelled. That's been my whole life's work. And that's been such like a, that's what drives me in this lifetime, you know? And and so, yeah, that was that was this thing I said at the party the other day and about like, wow, I wonder if like as much as I think I'm meant to do on the planet in my lifetime, yeah, it might just be as simple as uh, just learning how to, how to love and be loved because, man, that shit is hard. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. And then I confuse myself because... I also don't want to be like, well, I guess I don't know anything and I guess I'm just a big drama queen and I guess I just demand too much and blah, blah. Like I do want a lot in a relationship and in the relationship I'm in right now, I get, you know, I'm treated very well. Uh, I'm dating a very, he's very handsome. He's kind, he's thoughtful. He seems uncomplicated, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still only getting to know him. I've only known him for five and a half months and he's different from me. He's, he's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more public with my life and my feelings and I'm more communicative and expressive and extroverted, even though I'm also an introvert. And I tend to date kind of introverts because they're quiet and I like to meet people who and spend romantic time with people who I can be quiet with because that's really lovely to me. I think that's kind of sexy and calming and nice. So I, I end up finding that a lot. Um, or, you know, sometimes when I'm in a relationship. But... Uh, but to be clear, I never want to settle. I never want to settle and I never want to not, I, I never want to be afraid to say what I need and I, and what makes me happy and to be myself and everything. I never want to like apologize for myself and I never want to, you know, there's a difference between being like addicted to drama and wanting to start fights and searching for a problem there's a difference between that and also being able to say like calmly like, oh, hey, but like I need this for me and I know myself well enough to know that like I need certain things to be happy and feel comfortable in a relationship. And like what I'm learning is um, in a non-needy or codependent way, I do need to not only be able to talk to and communicate and, you know, and be my, be who I am, be like, be myself with someone. But I also do need a lot of love. Like, and that's not embarrassing to say that. Like, I'm kind of learning that about myself because I, I don't want to be like, well, I'm going to be with a person who can't, uh, it's okay if this person can't uh, share their feelings with me. And I'm just, by the way, this is just like, I'm just, I'm just going off on a tangent, but, um, cause I've been thinking about this cause I'm talking about this with my girlfriends, but 
I don't want to make myself like I'm the bad guy in a relationship and be like, well, I just must be needy and this and that. No, right now for me and for all the people I'm talking to and all the women I've been talking to lately and, uh, you know, and men, we've been talking about like just being really honest with yourself and not being apologetic about what you, what you honestly need to be happy in a relationship. And once you push aside like your wounded child stuff and push aside your insecurities and your hysteria and all the shit like that you're acting out about, because you can have that, but you can also have like things that you prefer. Just like if you don't want to date a smoker or, and, you, and you prefer to date somebody who, you know, is taller than you or doesn't smoke or, you know, has a similar taste and style as you, that's okay. And also, but along with that, Sometimes certain people, me included, require and prefer um, a level of communication and expression that makes you feel loved and cozy and seen and appreciated. And what I'm learning about myself um, is that not in a needy way, what I need from another person in a relationship is I need them to use their words and I need them to um, not assume that I know how they're feeling because I'm not a mind reader and that I do need verbal reassurance and I do need kind words. You know, I watched, I watched, uh, crazy rich Asians and I love this movie by the way. I loved it. And I was just like watching, watching the, uh, watching the, uh, the leading character. And I know life is not a movie, but I, I watch, I see human beings in real life talk this way too. But you know, I watched the leading guy, like tell his girlfriend, like, you know, you're beautiful or, or, you know, I love you or just like words of reassurance and like what person doesn't enjoy that. And like, I just know that like, yeah, I, I know how I want to love someone. Going back to like this realization about like kind of this lifetime of, and, and what I'm realizing is like this lifetime of mine might a big, 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 big chunk of it might be learning how to love and be loved, what I'm realizing is like the way I want to love someone is to not be afraid to be vulnerable. I want to be able to tell a person uh, that I love them, that they're handsome, that I adore them. I want to be like physically expressive and, and you know, PDAs and holding hands. And I want to just like be so vulnerable and not be afraid and know that it's reciprocated. And and like, and I want to hear from them with their words because they want to say them because they feel compelled to, and because they mean what they're saying, not because they feel like there's a gun to their head and they have to, but it's, you know, I want the person I'm with to say loving words and be happy to say them because, you know, I don't know. That's the kind of flow that I want. And uh, so that's been interesting to kind of realize and not feel guilty about. Because like sometimes I'm like, oh, am I too needy? Am I this and that? But like, fuck that. No. Because I, I see relationships and friends of mine in relationships and, and the two people are on the same page where they're like communicative and expressive and they are vocal and they talk and it flows and it's kind and it's loving and it's, it's not like, you know, closed off or on a time schedule or repressed or held in or just like, expected that all these feelings are known and like, and that like all this love is kind of flowing. So that's kind of where I'm at right now where I'm just kind of learning about what I want in a relationship and what I, what I need and what makes me feel really good. And, uh, and also how I want to love another person. So 
That's, that's the current phase. And whether or not I, I found that or if, I, if I'm in that, if I'm in that relationship, you know, it's all unfolding and it's all exciting. But um, anyway, that's my ramble about all of that. I don't know if any of you guys can relate to it, but um, I think I'm going to wrap up this, this podcast. And I want to say that I, I'm nearly on the verge of tears because that was a lot of energy. That was a lot of vulnerability from you guys sending me your emails and me right now kind of like admitting like what I'm learning about myself. And it's also very scary to like, whether it's you guys out there, you people or me, you know, as, as much of a good communicator as you might think that I am, uh, communicating to a person you're in a relationship with where things are at stake and you're worried that you're going to scare somebody or push them away, like, you know, it's already hard to communicate. And if you are a good communicator, it doesn't mean it's easy to communicate with, with a, with a person you're in a relationship with because it's, 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 everything's heightened and it's terrifying. So anyway, I'm glad we get to meet up on this podcast together and hang out and have a chat and you guys can be vulnerable with me and I can be vulnerable with you. And yeah, being in a relationship is so hard. Like, not even, even when it's easy, it's hard because you're constantly being mirrored in someone else and you're like looking at yourself and, and all this shit doesn't come up when you're by yourself. It just doesn't. And there's always something with, with someone, you know, like you can leave a relationship because you're like, oh, this is hard and I can't do it, you know, but then you'll just, something else will come up in another relationship or, or somebody else will be different and uh, not fulfilling or irritate you in a different way or you'll feel like alienated in a different way. It's always, it's just something. But like, I guess all you can do is, and what I'm trying to do right now, and I talked about this with Neil Strauss the other day because he he was such a sweetheart. He called me up and he followed up on the phone with me and to make sure I was okay after this like, this seminar, this three-day intensive that he put on. Um, but what did he tell me that was lovely? Oh, the goal is, you know, whether this relationship I'm in or you're in or whoever's listening, you know, whether the relationship works out, um, all that matters is you clean up your side of the street and you learn to, to kind of master your emotions, not in the sense that you turn into a robot, but in the sense that you learn how to be responsible for your your baggage or your demons or your childhood stuff or your reactivity and all this stuff. Like you learn how to master that. All you can do is clean up your side of the street so you can continue and get stronger and, and love better in the relationship you're in, or so you can at least have learned valuable lessons and, and, uh, and become stronger and uh, more prepared for the next relationship, you know? So anyway, that's what we're all doing. We're evolving, we're growing. And I hope this podcast was interesting to you. And I do want to say all the obligatory fun podcast stuff you got to say. I should have said this at the beginning, but whatever, I'll say it now. If you like this podcast, if you like the Love Alexi podcast, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show. Please tell everybody you know, anyone who will listen about the podcast. Um, you know, it's an independent podcast. If you want to support the show, you can make a donation via Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash Alexi 
or you can even donate directly to the show via Venmo at Alexi Wasser. Any contribution or donation is appreciated. It goes towards like, you know, buying equipment, booking the guests all the time. It, it, it you know, it goes into producing a podcast and there's a helicopter flying over. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but I uh, just want to let you know what's happening right now. And uh, we should definitely be friends on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at Alexi Wasser. Subscribe to the show, leave a comment, rate the show, all the stuff. Um, what else is there to tell you? Book a big sister session. Click the link in my bio on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited about Glamour Magazine and my big sister session with the Glamour Magazine journalist tomorrow. Wish me luck. Um, and uh, you know what? All that aside, I think... Uh, I think, I think I've said it all. If you want to send me an email for a future episode, send an email to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. And uh, there you go, you guys. I love you. Have a beautiful week. And I'm going to make sure this podcast is way more consistent. Until next time. I love you. Goodbye.